Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6nerds5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. Here we go again, it's our film explosion. A movie countdown of real devotion. It could get long, so bring your ibuprofen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. What's got the best acting? What's got the best direction? The cream of the crop, here's our selection. From comedy to drama, even black exploitation. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion! Film explosion! This is Real Nerds Podcast, and for 10 years, we have seen a new movie and podcasted our experience for the world, except this week, because this is our retro film explosion, 2001. I am joined in a room with... Corinne. And... Brad. And... Zach. And all the way from the greatest city... According to them in the world, Henry. Hey, everybody. It's me. <laughs> that would be New York City. The Big Apple. The Big Apple. Take a bite out of it, guys. Right? <laughs> Nothing important happened in New York City in 2001, did it, Ryan? Nope. <laughs> We're trying to make people happy, Brad. Fuck. Can I ask you a question, Henry? Does that city ever actually sleep, or is it, are the rumors true? Well, we're always sleeping. <laughs> Henry, how we come you don't have an accent? All the time. We figured out a 24-hour cycle. <laughs> oh, okay. So you found a way to make that lyric in Frank Sinatra's song true. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I do remember when I was in New York, you could get Chinese food 24 hours a day. You could just... And it was right around the corner. I was in this hotel, and these guys were delivering it all day long, just running out. That's a magic wonderland for somebody and a hell for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds awesome. Henry, yeah. how come you don't have an accent yet? What you talking about? Of course I got an accent. I don't know. I'm not good accent. <laughs> Forget about it. Just, just just recreate Goodfellas for us and that'll convince her. <laughs> Our podcast that doesn't take place in New different. York. That takes place in Boston. Uh, I was yelled at by a subway token operator when I was in Boston. I went up there and I thought you could only buy a token at the subway dispensary guy thing. Because this is like before, you know, they did... You know, contactless thing where now you could probably just use an app to get on the subway. Mm. And I walked up to the guy and I gave him a dollar and he just looked at me and he's like, what the fuck do you want? I left my crystal ball at home. <laughs> and I said, a subway token. I didn't know you could get anything else from them. I kept on looking to see if there was like gum or something behind them and it. It didn't happen. <laughs> Henry, why are people on the East Coast so mean? Well, we're, we never sleep. Mm. So, yeah, there's yeah. that true. Tell him to pack his car in Harvard Yard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the city of insomnia. No, I brought up the 2001 thing because I, I, you know, looking back into this year, like my list is going to be heavily influenced by how I like engaged with movies that year. That like, it's the first year I was like a full adult out of high school, mm. so I was really getting into film this year, and um, this list is going to reflect a 
18 year olds preferences. <laughs> well, let me ask you, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, so let me ask you a question. I, when I was doing my list, there's a lot of movies I like, but not very many I loved. I, was, I, I think this is kind of a weak year for movies. Oh, um, psh, not for me. I had a really hard time putting this list really? together. This, I had like a list of 15 and I was like, oh man. This wow, is that's hard. a lot for you because when I ask for 100 movies out of 500, you can only send me 50. So I understand the struggle that you're having. I love your shirt, by the way. I have that comic with that cover on it. It's Captain Marvel for those at home. I feel like the ones that, for my age range in particular, it's, it's what stuck out when we were 11 going to a movie theater. <laughs> fuck, I'm old as fuck. But then there's, or I was actually 10. I, I'm right. I'm lying. I know. 10, yeah. but, that's, uh, but, that's, but there's also like reflection of also what you've picked up along the way. So. Yeah, I mean, there, there's one film on mine um, that I wasn't a big fan of when I saw it in 2001. Because just like Brad, this is, I mean, I was 20 at the time, but I had, I was working as a server, so I had money where I could just go see a movie. I didn't have to go, Mommy, please take me to see Ninja Turtles. And she'd say, not now, damn it. I mean, um, I mean, if, she, if you talk like that, that way to her, I would refuse to take you to Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Fair. Um, no, actually, I, I've, I know I've told the story I love. My mom took me out of school to see Ninja Turtles. It's awesome. Um, anyways, so I saw a lot of movies this year, a lot of movies, and... I mean, it's it's continued. I mean, if now that movies are starting to roll again, if my wife's home and my kid's in bed because he has school, I'll leave and go see a movie all the time. Mm. Um, but that's the one thing that um, will never change with me is I love movies. And there's just some years where, you know, I don't know. I, I liked a lot of movies this year. But movies I loved, not so much. If um, uh, really quickly around the table, uh, are any of these like what? What's the majority of seen saw it in the theater the year it came out versus discovered? Oh, it I've later? seen them all in theaters on my list. I'm, yeah, me too. I've uh, uh, seven of mine are in theater. Three of them mm-hmm. are found them later, and it's mostly because they were R rated. <laughs> but um, oh, I was like I six. You were. Yeah, six. This, I know you were six. Year, so you weren't allowed like... to do anything. <laughs> You were allowed to watch Scooby Doo. <laughs> That's awesome. I definitely remember seeing some of them in the theater. Mm. Yeah, I have a bunch that were like my eleven through fifteen that could have been the bottom half of my list. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, the top is like definitely love them, but uh, also like this ten. You know, just looking back to, back today because I did this list a while ago in preparation. Me, me for too. This. <laughs> I it's, forget when I sent it to you a long time ago. Yeah, months ago. Yeah. Um, I, I've done like I've had all my film explosions done for like a year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one I was like, man, I didn't really put this at seven instead of eight, and so. Yeah, I there's especially with like my tenth film. There's movies, and I mean, we should we say this on every film explosion, but these aren't like critical darlings per se. They're films we love, um, and when I. Sometimes even when I watch films now and critics love them, I go, man, I don't think I could ever be an actual film critic because I just love the art of making films. I'm like Tom Cruise. I just love movies, and I just want to be entertained. I don't care how you entertain me. Just make it entertaining. And there's a couple movies on here that are definitely not cinematic classics, but there's a time and a place where I still adore these movies. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's, it's always fun revisiting even – films when you're younger and see if they still hold up. Cause sometimes you see a film and then you remember, you have this great memory of it and then you watch it and you go, this is a piece of shit. And, uh, but there's also times like, I think it's my fourth or fifth film. You see it and you go, Oh, I don't know about this movie. And then you rediscover it and you go, Oh, this movie is actually pretty good. Um, both those scenarios happened to me this week. <laughs> nice. Rewatching some of these. I love it. I um, feel like there's also some, uh, 
I guess my list might end up reflecting undervalued in the bottom four, mm. uh, in, in a in a couple of them because there's just there are some films that I think have. I'm always a fan of like an underdog sort of respect, but also these are some that I latched onto when I was very young, and then my taste diverged. Sure, but I will never not appreciate the value that they possessed at that time. So I think. I think there's there's some titles on there that might kind of make you take a, do a double take. <laughs> I will say too, I always know uh, what film explosions people look forward to by the response we get, mm-hmm. and we did not get very big response on 2001, and then when we did 91, we got a huge response, mm-hmm. and this one, I think I got two. So I always I can always test the waters about how much people enjoy the year by how how they re- interact with our Facebook and Twitter. And how much we actually get fan mail, and um, so yeah. this, so this since this will be our least downloaded film explosion ever, mm-hmm. we could just talk about how we really feel about each other. Yeah, Ryan, your hat is too pink. <laughs> Whoa, I'm going to talk about you like I'm in 2001 though. Oh, okay. <laughs> Listen, you little asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Please don't pick me up. Um. Anyways, we'll get this started because they're long. Um. Yes. Anyways, how this works is we all have picked ten films. Brad has put together a DVD of the trailers in case we need to refresh our... Uh, a Blu-ray. I'm sorry, a Blu-ray. Ryan. A Blu-ray DVD. I, uh, I only watch Betamax. I'm leaving. <laughs> nice. And Brad knows the list because he maximizes it to... I, I should start doing the uh, trailer as like... You know, if we, if we do it in the 80s, I have to do it on VHS. If I do it... That'd be sweet <laughs> if we could actually pull it off. Do you still have a VHS player? I do. Really? Ooh, it's nice. yours. <laughs> you oh, gave it sweet. But... Yeah, that's way too much work. So yeah. Um, so, uh, so Brad maximizes it. We all have ten films. Uh, we will say this is number ten. Play the trailer. Introduce it. Uh, we won't play the trailer twice if people have been on. If it's shown up earlier on the list, we also have sweeps. Um, so, our countdown starts across the United States. Henry, you kick us off on Film Explosion two thousand and one. No pressure. I mean, none taken. Because, listen, I'm pretty excited about my number 10 film. You see, some films ask very deep philosophical questions. What is the meaning of life? How do I deal with grief? How? Do, what is my wife? I don't know. <laughs> what is <laughs> this my film, wife? <laughs> what is my wife? <laughs> this film asks the bold question, what if children could be spies? Between driving the kids to school... Mommy's mimicking me! Mommy's mimicking me! ...and putting them to bed... ...no one would ever guess... ...that Mom and Dad are the world's top secret agents. We've got to follow her. Not for long. What'd you do? Your parents are international spies, but something's gone wrong. My parents can't be spies! They're not cool enough! That's cool. Now, the only two people who can save them are their kids. I think it's up to us. You with me. How to be a spy. Good spy puts himself in the mindset of the opponent. Ew, gross. What do you see? You. Now, they're on a mission to stop an evil genius, rescue their parents, and save the world.
Never send a grown-up to do a kid's job. Spy Kids. Real spies. Only smaller. I'm proud of you, Henry. I, uh, I, I tussled with this one for a little bit, and I decided that it just wasn't as memorable for me, but I do remember seeing in the theater with my sister, and we loved it. If someone was to guess the most recent time that I've seen this film, it was probably over a decade ago. So that's why it's number ten, because <laughs> this is a bit. This is a very important film in my childhood, but it's not one that I've always listen. I think around ten years ago, I rewatched some of these as like an older teen, and uh, I realized they might not be as great as I remember them being when I was seven. And so I haven't rewatched them since, but I do love the fact of what these films are. And so I don't know, Spy Kids. It's it's exactly what it's being sold as, and so it, it's kept Robert Rodriguez's house financed. So I'm exactly. I'm, in, I'm in favor of them. Well, I do respect Robert Rodriguez for having an independent studio where he can make the films he wants to make, and he can have his friends help make films too. Yeah. That's how he got things like Predators and stuff. Yeah. Also, remember, guys, Spy Kids includes a very important cameo by a star from another film this year. I'm just saying, George Clooney made the rounds this year. Also, the bad guys are giant fingers. Yeah, they're giant. Like, yeah, I thought they were thumbs. I can't remember the thumb, thumb, thumb things. It's kind of cool. I can see Henry's reflection in the TV because I'm behind him, and I see him doing finger dances. What will his reflection show? Who you are inside? Something <laughs> will on something. Awesome. Uh, good choice, Henry. <laughs> of course. It's a very 2001 choice. Yes. That's for sure. You know what, Henry? I like that film, too, so I'm proud of you. I like to bring the sophisticated taste to the Real Nerds podcast. Oh, just, I really appreciate that. Just wait. I'm going to bring trash into this film explosion. You watch. <laughs> Corinne? Not if I bring it first. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, this movie is very campy, but I don't know. I watched it a lot with my family, and you know how I love musicals. So it's just a movie that stuck with me for a really long time. He entered a world where fantasy is real, where he could be anything he wanted, and where he would discover the most dangerous temptation of all. Come and get me, boys. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. I believe you were expecting me. Yes. Thinking would fall in love with someone like me. I can't fall in love with anyone. I make men believe what they want to believe. Never knew I could feel like this. I believe in truth, freedom, and above all things, love. Like I've never seen the sky. the financial resources to make you a star. You don't have to wear that dress tonight. I require a contract that binds her team to me exclusively. He could destroy everything. I don't care. We have each other. Make Christian believe you don't love him. He'll fight for me. Hurt him. 
hurt him to save him. Whatever happens, no matter how bad things get, we love one another. My number 10 is Moulin Rouge, which is so melodramatic, but also like kind of fun to watch if you're in the right mood for it. And I just like the song numbers can be kind of fun and just it's a lot of energy, but also some scenes are not energy. I don't know how to explain it, but it's just it's just a whole boatload of weird. It's a melodrama. It moves up and down. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. And. I don't know. This is the superior version of Roxanne, by the way, and I will fight what? anybody on that. I listen is to the Tom police's Roxanne, <laughs> and I'm like, ugh, so boring. I listen to this Roxanne, and I'm like, yes. Let me see if I can do it like a Moulin Rouge. <laughs> yeah, cool. It just works really well with the tango. You don't have what it takes to get a trombone fish. I mean, yeah, I wish the guy singing it didn't sound so raspy. But, you <laughs> know, it's, he's not going to change for you. <laughs> I know. That's fine. But, you know, the instrumentation, the choreography, the timing, the editing, everything mm. works on that. So, but, I mean, it's more than just that one scene. But it's, yeah, it's a lot of melodrama. Lerman's and, you know, really that's kind of that. my jam sometimes. Right on. So, number 10, Moulin Rouge. Brad. Uh, my number 10. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm the host. Brad, you're number 10. My number 10 is definitely going to frustrate a lot of people. In the lands of Middle-earth, legend tells of the Dark Lord Sauron and the ring that would give him the power to enslave the world. Lost for centuries, it has been sought by many and has now found its way into the hands of the most unlikely person imaginable. Sauron needs only this ring to cover all the lands in darkness. What must I do? The ring must be destroyed. The ring must be cast back into the fires of Mount Doom. There is evil there that does not sleep. Sauron's forces are already moving. They will find the ring and kill the one who carries it. No! Come on, Frodo! do this alone you have my sword and you have my bow and my axe this task was appointed to you and if you do not find a way no one will the enemy has many spies birds beasts something draws near I can feel it get off the road Remember, Frodo, the ring is trying to get back to its master. It wants to be found. Let us hope that our presence may go unnoticed. 
are coming. The ring had never come to me. Thank you, devil! I wish none of this had happened. You will find your courage. If you want him, come and claim him. Brad, thanks for getting this on the list because I don't think it was going to make it. Yeah, um, I squeezed in The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring because it's the best, I think, of the trilogy. Um, it's the one that has actual conflict and drama and like the corruption of man in it, whereas the other two are just people walking and accomplishing a task. <laughs> okay, so Brad just wants to die today, I guess. What, what is the... Oh yeah, you know what, Corinne? This is, a, this is a moment to heal because normally James would just yell and scream. I'm here to tell you, Brad, it's really cool that you love being wrong. It's just really cool. And I salute you for it. I will say it is pretty shocking that this is this Yeah, that, that, that's, I think this that's the shock. 10, this is it the could have been like number entry. five and we would have understood. Uh, or if, number seven. If it was actually 2001, it would probably be like maybe five spots higher. But mm -hmm. literally, I have watched all these other nine movies more than yeah. I've rewatched that's The fair. Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, least. that's very so, fair. You probably didn't read the books, did you? I read The Hobbit. I think the books are garbage. Up to like, I, know, I think five pages left. I never, like I did it for school. <laughs> oh, no, I, you don't know how it is. <laughs> I got enough to finish the book report. <laughs> you didn't even read the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> I, yeah, it's I never not did even that notes. hard of a yeah. book to read. It's not, but I did it one night because I'm a procrastinator. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I was like, I, I meant to finish the whole thing, but I, I, it, was, it wasn't interesting enough for me to go. But this isn't even that. This is the Fellowship, and I I do own them. But you know, I, I feel you. And it's also, it's I watched the movies it, since then, so I, I know what happens. It's a three-hour commitment for that film and for the other two, and you're kind of want to watching them like in a row uh, to get the whole story. Hour. The real fans watch the extended editions, which is three and a half. You know what, Corinne? That's exclusionist and classist, and I won't have it here. You can be a fan of any cut of the films you want to be, um, except for the producer cut of Halloween Six. Yeah, but, but but that's complicated. <laughs> and a lot of issues and one horrible, horrible man that we put in prison. Anyways. Um, yeah. It's just mean you put it so low. Well, uh, <laughs> it's Brad's list, so we just got to accept his inability to know when movies are great. All right. And next, uh, next film explosion I'm putting Drive is number 10 on my list. Just to get back at y'all. I, I think mean, it's, it's a solid. Y'all? I didn't do anything. <laughs> So mean. Henry? <laughs> Hell. I, I, I'm just saying, I think it's a solid ringer on par of Spy Kids. And so, I think it's solid. <laughs> <laughs> Two great trilogies. Yeah, so. Moulin Rouge, Spy Kids, Lord of the well, Rings. They're all equal. Green, you should also be happy because Brad started the podcast by saying that these films could have been 11 through 15, so it might not even have made the list. Yes. That would have been better because then we could have at least watched the like trailer you know, three here. hours later. No, <laughs> so, but here, here is the thing. I and mean, Jason a, X could have been one, not another teen movie, but... That's, I don't care about any of them. That's the, that's the thing, though, ultimately, you know, Ryan, as Ryan has said, if it makes everybody's list, it's a unanimous pleasure, so, you know. We'll see. We'll see. Zach, 
Um, unless, Brad, you have anything else you want to say uh, about Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship? No, nope, you guys are going to talk a ton about it later, so. Damn right we will. I might check out at that point. <laughs> Zach, you're number 10. All right, my number 10 is at number 10 because I have not seen it in a while, but I remember watching watching it repeatedly, uh, both in a theater and then when it came out on DVD. And here it is. This season, they're coming. Awesome! To wipe that silly smile off your planet. <laughs> Big ones. Any ideas? Little ones. Snag one. Snag one? Yeah, snag one and put him in the bucket. I seen this movie. The black dude dies first. You snag it. Nasty ones. <laughs> Get this thing out of here! Okay, Harry. We might have to amputate. Whoa, duck! Don't take the leg! Setting for his crotch. Take it! Take the leg! Is there some sort of alien attack happening here? And this kind of thing the government usually gets involved no, in. No, so shouldn't no. we tell them? Absolutely not. I know those people. David Duchovny, Orlando Jones, Sean William Scott, and Julianne Moore. It was so hot. From Ivan Reitman, the director of Ghostbusters, Evolution. What the unholy crimson hell is that? That's like a big loogie. Whelming that trailer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that fun. Um, yeah, my number 10 is Evolution. Um, so I, I saw this before I saw Ghostbusters. So this was my introduction to Ivan Reitman. Hmm. And... Um, I just remember laughing my butt off throughout this entire movie. Da- David Duchovny, for me, was an X-Files guy. He was evolution guy up until I saw X-Files at last. Uh, the best David Duchovny joke ever is in The Simpsons, where his FBI picture is him it's and just, it's just It's just imposing. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, he keeps jigg- jiggling. Yeah, it's like a lava lamp. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it, if people don't know the story, it's, I, I, if I'm recalling correctly, it's David Duchovny and Orlando Jones, like, just go through a meteor and find aliens and aliens start attacking people and whatnot. So it's kind of like a sci-fi-ish version of Ghostbusters or like an alien version of Ghostbusters. Um, and um, I would love to re- I wish I had time to rewatch it this week. Because I'd like to see how it stacks up with other 2000s comedies of that time, especially with Sean William Scott. Because I feel like he is, I wish he would get utilized more often. He's super funny. He's in another one of my movies this year on the list. Um, And I don't remember much of Orlando Jones beyond this movie. Uh, So I'm going to take it on faith that everything turned out okay for him. And um, Dan Aykroyd has a cameo at the end where he's, uh, I think he's the president. I can't remember. But <clears throat> anyway, anyway, um, I mainly put it on here because my sister and I really liked watching this on DVD. And um, we enjoyed kind of laughing at the um, where he they've got to amputate. Um, they're go- they think they're going to amputate his leg and they go is heading for the crotch and he goes, take the leg, take the leg. Like we were just we would laugh at that. So. Um, so, yeah, my number 10 evolution. Uh, my number 10 is a cheat. Um, technically, this movie came out in 2002. Cheater. Um, but because it was delayed numerous times, it was actually supposed to come out in 2001. And my only reason I can think of was why it was delayed is because it got an upgrade. In the year 2455, on a routine training mission, a team of students is about to discover a life form frozen in time. Wow. They're on their way back. Prepare for docking and power up the lab. You brought him on board? 
Everything's under control, ma'am. He's an unstoppable killing machine. Guys, it's okay. He just wanted his machete back. How do we get off the ship? I don't know. Look, we're gonna be all right. What? Are you high? Uh-oh. <gasps> He's here. <laughs> you have got to get them out of there. Hey, Slappy! <laughs> I think we're finally okay. is that? You've got to be kidding me. Oh, wow. He's been modified. Oh, you think? You guys might want to run. I don't think he's out there. Why don't you just stick your head out and have a peek? Uh, so my number 10 is Jason X. Now, technically, it's supposed to come out in 2000 and 2000. Then it got put on a shelf. Uh, and then they decided to release it a week before Spider-Man. <laughs> And um, that was a dumb idea. <laughs> never made its money back. Um, the movie's really stupid. Um, basically, Jason is put in cryogenic locker thing, and he's awoken 500 years in the future on a spaceship, and goes around and kills people. Uh, you uh, forgot to you forgot to mention the fact that he killed David Cronenberg to get to space. That's Excuse right. Me? Actually, I think David Cronenberg has a great line in this because uh, they're going to freeze him because they don't know what to do with him, mm -hmm. and. He says, I don't want him frozen. I want him soft. <laughs> and I was listening to the commentary, and that was improvised. Um, so it, it's uh, it's fun. And it's one of those movies I just have fun watching. It's not a great movie. Uh, but it is the second Friday the 13th I saw in its initial run in the theater. Aww. The first was Jason Goes to Hell. Um, oh, you've had a rough ride. <laughs> well, I was I was only seven when he takes Manhattan came out, so mm. no one was going to take me to that. Um, but yeah, I, I just have fun with it. I mean, it tries to be a little too winky, and you can tell that it's heavily influenced by Scream, where everything's really self-referential and it's it's quirky, quirk, yeah, the quirk. Yeah, hey, this some really. He just wanted his machete back and things like that. A lot that, of early two thousands gamer jokes and yeah, but uh, it's still fun. And there's some pretty gruesome kills in it. It has one of my favorites. Jason uh, sticks this lady's head in um, liquid nitrogen and then smashes it and then pulls her head up and it's all hollow. Um, and, and the sleeping bag kills. And the sleeping bag kill. And I actually think the the brutal one with that one like kid gamer where he just breaks his back is pretty awesome. So so the sleeping bag kill is in the holodeck. Yeah. So does it count as a kill or is oh, it yeah. a dream? I think it counts as a kill. Okay. And he, you know, yeah. So that's fun. Okay. And uh, you know, the Uber Jason design is meh, very two thousands. Um, but the whole, the whole production design is like, oh yeah, sci-fi channel, it does. Sci the, the, science fiction show. The lighting's really weird in it, and I think uh, Harry Mancini's score is really bad. Mm -hmm. It doesn't fit the tone right. Well, they were like they were being chopped around on that budget anyway, and I think yeah. it's it's literally just. Get keep the IP going until we get to Freddy versus Jason. I think ironically, it's one of the highest budgeted Friday the Thirteenth films besides Freddy versus Jason. 
I think Freddy versus Jason was like thirty million. Where, where did that budget go? <laughs> <laughs> On the sets. I it, it, if yeah, you get the effects. yeah yeah if you get the um, Scream Factory's like Friday Thirteenth set, there's really great making of of it, where it's about an hour or so long, and they talk about what they went through to get it made, and it's actually one of the first films. That was shot on film, then put digitally into the computer so they could make the digital effects. Uh, so it's it's really fascinating. And, yep, it's the 10th one. And, yep, he kills people. So because of Jason X, we now have the, the tech to do facial recognition. Yes. for. <laughs> Just so you know, if Friday 13th comes out and there's we have a film explosion that year, it will be on my list. Oh, yeah. Somewhere, except for part five. Even when it doesn't come out that year, it will be on your exactly. list Exactly, so you never know. Well, because 2002 is actually a pretty good year for film, so I cheated to put that in there. 2001 was an excellent year for film, Ryan. Uh, 2001 is okay. Henry. That's why Jason X made the cut. <laughs> Henry, number nine. All right. Well, my next I really recommend film, you seeing it, Trent. Yeah. Uh, my next film. You know what's scarier than a ghost? A cyber ghost. We didn't mean to jump to conclusions, Henry. We thought it was another. <laughs> Y'all have no faith in me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is my this is my obligatory one foreign pretentious movie. Um, this is a Japanese horror film. Uh, it's uh, basically the plot of the film is that ghosts have decided to take over the entire world using this newfound technology called the internet. Um, it is very 2001 in terms of how it approaches the internet and computers. This uh, technology sounds like it'll ruin us all. It, huh. Well, when these ghosts get a hold of it. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, Pulse. It's uh, directed by Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Uh, I enjoy it a lot. Uh, it's There's a good Arrow release of it that I'd recommend checking out. But uh, yeah, it's uh, one of my favorite horror fil- uh, J-horror films from this era. And so... So you're telling me this movie is about ghosts in the machine, huh? No, ghosts in the internet. The machine's not a. The internet's not a machine. It's a concept. 
Yeah, but it uses machines to run. I think I think you should look into what machines are. Ooh. Fight, 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 fight. You're fight. not going to fight over Pulse. No, I won't allow it. If I'm fighting anybody, it's Brad. <laughs> Never forget It's you. just because he's in the room you. and you can't touch Henry? Like, That's true. I'm not getting on a I flight can. to New York. I can. Do you feel that, Henry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll just have to summon a ghost. <laughs> have to summon a ghost to get him. Uh, I do like this film, Henry. I think it's uh, stylistically, it's really creepy. Oh, yeah. It's one of the few. I mean, Alf... Kind of a spoiler. It's one of the few horror films that I love that the world just collapses in the end. Like, so. yep. Yeah, it's a really bleak movie. Yeah. It's a good one, though. Yeah. I've not seen it, but I've seen other J-horror, so this is one that I'll need to check out now. So It's one of those genres I'm light on, sadly. Corinne, number nine. My number nine is a movie I used to watch a lot with my dad, and uh, we had a good time. It gives its possessor power of the people of the light. And trained, trained for combat. We can be partners. You might try to kill me. I'm not going to kill you. I said you'd try. Save the universe? Absolutely. Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. Yeah, so my number nine is Lara Croft Tomb Raider, the first one. And it's an excellent movie, just a lot of fun. And uh, got a lot of good action sequences in it. It's got Daniel Craig before he became a big star. Got Ian Glenn when he was young before he did uh, Game of Thrones. Of course, Angelina Jolie as the titular Lara Croft. Basically, Indiana Jones, but with more guns. This is the one where she uh, was with her dad in a movie. Is that correct? Yes. He, he plays her dad. God, it's awkward. Yeah. Well, actually, that's a pretty touching scene. I mean, it's awkward just having John Voight for a dad. That's got to be <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I don't know. I think the whole, like, you know, heart of the movie is very nice. And if you've seen it, you would understand. Yeah, no, it's, it's a so fun movie. I encourage movie. those who haven't seen it, including two people in this room, to check it out. It's one of the highest, I think it's the highest grossing video game adaptation for a really long time. 
Is um is the Cradle of Filth sequel any good? Cradle of Life. Filth. Oh, fil- <laughs> <laughs> Cradle of Life. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> Dang, right. you're roasting the movie. You ain't even seen it. I've, I'm I'm very video game movie ignorant. I guess. No, <laughs> Cradle right. of Life. Yeah. Mm. It's not as good. It, it's not as good. I mean, they're both fun. I, I wouldn't. Well, that one has Gerard Butler in it. That is true. Mm. This is before Sparta, so. Oh, he was looking good in that, too. There was a time before that? <laughs> no, this is Sparta, dude. Uh, no, yeah, no, they're fun <laughs> movies. I, yeah. It's ridiculous, yeah, it's but okay. it's fun. It's okay to have fun movies. I mean... I mean, she does, like, bungee ballet is like, a relaxing exercise before bungee bed. Ballet. Yeah. I don't remember what it's actually called. But, yeah, it's basically bungee ballet. I want that for the Denver Ballet Company now. See, bungee I want, ballet. I want enough money where I can have a killer robot to train with and, be, and then say... We're done. And, you know, then it just plays my cool music. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just Rod Stewart. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Anyway, my number nine, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. Brad, you going to make more people angry with number nine? Maybe. Nice. <laughs> so proud it's of you today. It's my number two, isn't it? I'm so proud of you today. So uh, no, so none of you have this movie on your list. Okay, uh, <laughs> my number nine is a movie I remember enjoying a lot in the theater when it came out, and I haven't watched it a lot since then, so there's going to be a short discussion. What if you and me just drive up the coast till the sun comes up never come back? Peter Appleton has lost his way. What in the hell happened to you, son? I'm not exactly sure. In a place he's never been. Have you ever been in here before? It's just that you look sort of... Familiar? I said the same thing. With no memory of his past. You have no idea who you are or how you got here? Wink. He will be mistaken for someone he never knew. It's Luke! Luke, having you back among us was like a miracle. Do you remember me? No, but I'll sure try. Tell me about this Appleton. His agent reported him missing last night. Nobody's heard from him in four or five days. You find him, gentlemen, living or dead. From the director of the Shawshank Redemption and the Green Mile. I'm trying to make up my own mind about you being Luke. We're in love, weren't we? You've got to remember that. You've got to. I don't. What if Luke spent the last decade actually thinking he's somebody else? He might have people looking for him. Federal agents. This is all a game, but it's their game. Jim Carrey. What if this Appleton is more than he seems? What happens if his memory does come back? I don't even know your name. Who are you, really? What are you... Remember everything. The Majestic. So yeah, my number nine is The Majestic from Frank Darabont. Uh, It's about uh, a Hollywood screenwriter who um, is not getting work because McCarthyism is taking hold and people are getting blacklisted in Hollywood. So he gets depressed, goes on a drive, goes in a car accident. Um, survives but has amnesia and the town that rescues him mistakes him for one of their own citizens who was who they thought was killed in world war ii um so uh they try to 
insert him back into their lives thinking that he is that same person and he may be um as far as uh, we know uh throughout the most of the movie and um uh in, in the interim uh he helps revive a local theater that has kind of fallen on hard times with um what's his name uh martin landau martin landau mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah it's uh i don't know i, I enjoyed it a lot back then it's, it's a very sweet old-timey classic movie feel this should have made my list i just haven't watched it in a while and i was going off of childhood memory so this one i didn't end up watching until like middle school so like a little bit like like eighth grade and then when i saw it i was just like this isn't a funny jim carrey movie I don't like this <laughs> and then i was like but then i finally saw shawshank redemption went back to this and i was like oh this is actually a lot better it's it's not perfect but i like the whole idea of reviving the theater you know yeah I'm guessing the theater is called the Orpheum. Is that a Zach joke? <laughs> How dare you try to take my spot with you? <laughs> no, no, you don't get to do finger snaps. That's my thing. Is it my Too thing? Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably should have made my list, but I'm glad you got it on there, sir. Yeah, um, I don't know why it has. It's like critically panned. Uh, it's it's. I think doesn't seem that different from like the Green Mile and the Sash. Like the Shawshank Redemption is like a more deeper and complicated story, obviously, but it it still retains the same like filmmaking quality. So I don't know. I feel like that's Darabont going for Capra, and I don't know if that rubbed wrong with people in a post nine eleven atmosphere. I'm not yeah, sure. Nine eleven, yeah. But um, I do know that the production costs on it were an issue, and also Jim Carrey was kind of on a like weird like. Yeah, I guess after Man on the Moon. After Man yeah. on the Moon, like the only real big film that he has like post this is The Grinch because that has like a bunch of other elements surrounding it um, to make it financially successful. So that's my number nine, The Majestic, starring Bruce Campbell. Oh yeah, Bruce Campbell's in it. He in a little, little. Uh, He's a little cameo in it. One of the films in the theater they play is uh, like a Indiana Jones style movie, and he gets to be that character. Zach, number nine. All right. My number nine is a movie that hopefully will redeem Brad a little bit because I am going to sweep some people or somebody. There she is right there. That's me at Thermopolis. Glamour, romance, fame. Mia Thermopolis had it all, but only in her dreams. As always, this is as good as it's going to get. Her real life was completely ordinary. You're way tense. But now, something's about to happen. Your grandmother called. This is the first time she's ever contacted us. What you want? That will change everything. I am queen of Genovia. Whoa, whoa. And you are princess. Shut up. Just in case, I'm not enough of a freak already. What's that in Tiara? I can teach you to walk, talk, sit, stand like a princess. Let the work begin. We don't schlump like this. It's a question of taste. Princesses never cross their legs in public. Tuck one ankle behind the other. A matter of grace. Oh, oh. What kind of dancing do you do? Where is the beautiful girl? My granddaughter, Amelia. And a chance Attack. to make all her dreams come true. Only Paolo can take this and give you much better. Walt Disney Pictures presents. 
Anne Hathaway and Academy Award winner Julie Andrews. Do you think she can do it? I have no doubt. Princess Diaries. I would like to propose a toast. Uh, so yeah, my number nine is the Princess Diaries. Um, it uh, th- this is a film that uh, is a sister uh, thing. So my sister loves this movie, so I was dragged into it like a lot of other films, and. Within the last couple of years, I've grown to appreciate my sister's taste in film a lot more off, and and um, which means I still technically need to revisit Legally Blonde, but um, uh, it's been a while. Hush, Corinne, I know. I'm sorry. I'm I'm I know I'm a terrible human being, and I'm going to hell. Um, but The Princess Diaries, um, Mia Thermopolis is this awkward dorky kid who then finds out her grandmother is the queen of Genovia and she is to be the princess of Genovia. So she's going to get a makeover. And, um, that, the one element of this that I feel hasn't aged particularly well is the whole, like, we've got to make her over from an awkward kid with glasses into a, <laughs> into, into beautiful Hannah Hathaway. Uh, so it's like, it's one of those outdated elements of it, but I don't think the movie's intending to be malicious with that idea. It's more, if anything, there's more in the idea of uh, her being awkward and clumsy versus the poise that a princess is supposed to possess. Uh, I love Hector Elizondo in this film. I think that's my big secret uh, man crush in the movie, as well as Larry Miller. I will never not love Larry Miller popping in anything. It's fantastic. And Julie Andrews, I do love her in this film because this gives her... This always gives her a like nice chance to kind of be like a. It's, she's a grandmother in this, and I love that those moments where she's teaching her how to be a princess. She's like, well, "Don't just watch like this." You get to kind of watch her do that comic side that you don't think of Julie Andrews when you think of her right away. Like that, that's not your first go-to. It's Mary Poppins, pure and simple. So I do like watching her just get to be kind of like as flawed a human being as anybody else. So, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, my. This is a film that pops up within my sister's quotations constantly. In rewatching it within the last couple of years, I'm like, this this movie still has its charms. I do not remember a damn thing about that second one, so don't even bother to ask me. But the first I was one, say Julie Andrews goes couch surfing or no, I remember surfing. Whatever. Actually, I take that back. I remember they made a big deal of it where she was going to sing because she had just had some kind of throat procedure or something. Yeah. Uh, so that uh, I do remember that part, and I remember um, John Reese Davies uh, being an asshole. And Chris Pine is in that movie. That yeah. was kind of before he took off. Do you mean before he took off on the USS Enterprise for a five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before? I mean, I meant in terms of stardom, but sure. Okay. Well, I was talking in terms of Star Trek. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my number nine, The Princess Diaries. What's really funny is my number nine film pokes fun at movies like this. It's a dream come true. It's the moment you've always been waiting for. Kiss me. I'm okay. It's 
not another teen movie. Prepare yourself. Road trip! For a movie that goes where every other teen movie has gone before. I heard there's some undercover reporter posing as a high school student. Uh, do either of you know where Mr. Keller's English class is? Only further. We saw you at our practice and I know you stole our routine. We've always done our own cheers. Well, then you better bring it. Oh, it's already been brought. We're black. We know it. We shake our big booties and show it. Can I get a whoop whoop? Columbia Pictures proudly presents <laughs> the popular jock. Here. Tip. You can keep it. Melanie. Hey, Jake. Hey, Arthur. The token black guy. I'm just supposed to smile, stay out of the conversation, and say things like, damn, bling, bling. And that is whack. And the cruelest girl in school. I've never even been kissed. Close your eyes and wet your lips. Are you for real? Oh, that is whack. This season, if you like scary movies, who gives a damn? Damn. Not another teen movie. What in God's name's going on in here? We were just sitting here. I don't want to hear it, mister. You just bought yourself another detention. That's not fair. You just got another. Good. You through? No. That's another one. So? You just say the word, I'll keep going. Go. Eeny, meeny, miny. Mo. Your cousin was a... Ho. He was a famous clown. Bobo. I confused. Shut your hole, Wang Chung. So, uh, Henry Good and thing. I, once again, have proven that we have the best taste in film. <laughs> Uh, not another teen movie is my number nine, Henry's eight. So pretty much the same. I mean, and this is really funny how that set up with Zach's Princess Diaries. Um, because in this movie, um, there's a bet that uh, the popular jock played by Chris Evans has to make the unpopular girl like pretty and take her to the prom and she only wears glasses and overalls and that's the big joke in it. And they're like, oh no, not glasses and overalls. Sorry, <laughs> Um, and it's uh, really brilliant. It's really offensive, but it's really funny. Uh, yeah, no, this movie is fantastic. I think it's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen because I'm immature and stupid. And so, um, <laughs> it, we have that in common, Henry. Right. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, just great. I mean, listen, I've seen a lot of these teen movies, and it, this this it it gets it. Like it, I don't know, like. <laughs> Yeah, the worst thing this film did was spawn all the other like shitty oh, spoof movies. Yeah, epic movie. Yeah, superhero movie. Meet the Spartans. But what they missed in it is this movie is pretty spot on in its skewering of teenage films. I mean, they have the guy who always wants to slow clap during things, and it covers uh, like everything. It's, yeah, it's hitting on that specific '90s drama, '90s genre. Like period where we had like yeah. the she's all that's and even the eighties and stuff. I mean they they pretty much touch bring it, it on. Well. Yeah, and bring <laughs> it on. If it, I mean we just saw the Breakfast Club. Club. <laughs> yeah, they they cut away in the trailer when that uh, the popular jock is benched because he throws a football to a mentally challenged kid and he gets cut in half when he gets tackled. <laughs> it's like it's funny. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you should watch it. <laughs> So I tell everybody it's funny. And I, I've always loved these kind of movies, Henry. I always love the spoof movies if they're oh, done yeah. well. I think they're really hard to pull off something like Hot Shots or Loaded Weapon 1, um, Airplane. I, I've always had a soft spot for these kind of films. My wife hates them. That's probably why I love them so much, too. I kind of want to go back to it, but I just I don't remember. I don't remember how much of it was incredibly like outdated by comparison to now. Like, yeah. 
I guess I'd have to. It's look comedy. Yeah. It's all right. It's going to change. All, it's all in good fun. It's going to change and evolve over time. Yep. Anyways, Henry, anything to add? Uh, I mean, one just it's something that's often overlooked, but uh, it's it's a John Hughes High School is where they are attending. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's one quick awesome. thing I like. Uh, I can't remember if they say it in the trailer, but the token black guy, his name changes every single scene during yep. as well. And so there's a lot of really small jokes that like I notice in rewatches, but I I think one reason why this one works better than some of those other like Meet the Spartans and Epic movies is that they really do try to do layered jokes where there's a lot of like yeah. I think I think this one, as stupid and immature as it is, there is some smart jokes like throughout like sprinkled in throughout as well. And so but anyway, I love it. It's great. I was gonna say you talk about like it being uh like outdated, but like the the kids pretending to be Asian, like that that cultural appropriation mm-hmm. joke is actually like making fun of them for doing that. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually pretty like it recognizes that yeah. it's my. This is how lame I am. My favorite joke in the whole film is a really quick one, and it's Chris Evans and he's leaning against a wall, and there's a picture of him. And the, on the plaque, it says Jake Weiler looking at a picture of himself <laughs> and he's doing the same pose, looking at the picture of himself. <laughs> and if you look every like in the picture, every time he gets smaller and smaller and it's the same picture, it's fucking brilliant. It's brilliant. It's also one of those uh, parody smash up pictures that um, is tackling a genre that's not that has very little high concept attached to it, like a horror movie or an action movie. Like it's a comedy attempting to tackle things that are primarily comedies. Yeah. Corinne, number eight. Um, my number eight, I do remember seeing in the theater, or, well, actually, I think it was a drive-in theater, and I went with my mom, who fell asleep. So this is that movie. Did you ever make anything happen? Anything you couldn't explain? You're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? Dear Mr. Potter, we are pleased to inform you that you have been accepted at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. In a few moments, you will pass through these doors and join your classmates. Keep an eye on the staircases. They like to change. Good afternoon, class. Welcome to your first flying lesson. Stick your right hand over the broom and say up. Wow. Mr. Longbottom, Mr. Longbottom, exactly where do you think you're going? Do you really have the scar? Wicked. Mr. Potter, our new celebrity. First years should note that the dark forest is strictly forbidden. That no magics to be used between the classes and the corridors. Petrificus totalis. The third floor corridor is out of bounds to everyone who does not wish to suffer a most painful death. understand this, Harry, because it's very important. Not all wizards are good. I'm going to bed before either of you come up with another clever idea to get us killed. Or worse, expelled. She needs to sort out her priorities. I think it is clear that we can 
hide things from you. My number eight is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone because we're in America. Okay. <laughs> Damn, it's America yeah, first. You really, you really right there. triggered Corinne today, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sure I saw it in the theater like before I went to see it with my mom, but I just remember her falling asleep at the drive-in. And I said something to her and she's like, well, my mom, so my grandma, fell asleep when I went to go see Star Wars with her. So, you know, it just, it's a generational thing. It continues. So <laughs> <laughs> if I have kids, I'll probably fall asleep on them when they want to go see the big blockbuster of their generation. You know, I remember happened. my dad Endgame. fell asleep during <laughs> Jurassic Park. <laughs> we were in Jurassic Park and he was out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was saying during the trailer that the only reason it's not higher on my list is because it's not even like in the top three of the best Harry Potter movies for me. Like, I mean, it's fun, but it's, it's not like, there's not a lot there. You know what I mean? It's just pretty much like a pretty good adaptation of the book. It's not trying to do anything like really extreme or really um, like experimental or anything like that, which I think the third one does really, really well. Cause they got an excellent director for that. Agreed. So, but it, yeah, it's a pretty faithful adaptation of the book. I'm sure that, you know, little 10-year-old uh, me would have told you, oh, they skipped that one part about the, you know, midnight duel and nah, nah, nah. It's okay. Um, but yeah, it's just a lot of fun. And it's it's great to see like where these actors and where this franchise started out at. It's really cool to my mind that that movie establishes that the universe can exist and then you get other directors giving their takes on it because like yeah Karan changed the game completely with Azkaban also everybody just kind of likes the third book in general oh yeah it's, it's, it's well it's great when you've got because a book. it's kind of like you know you get to know the characters well enough by then but it's before all the really crazy shit happens mm -hmm. so yeah it's arguably the most normal school year of their <laughs> of their entire career at Hogwarts yeah and it's got I mean the, Azkaban sets up the fact that you can get Gary Oldman, David Thelwes, and Timothy Spall in the same room together, and it's amazing. Yep. And hence, victory. And Alan Rickman. Oh, and Michael Gambon. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so my number eight, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Brad, number eight? Uh, I like my number eight because it's in the business of scaring kids. All right, let's get a move on, people. We are on in seven. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Okay, people, Eastern Seaboard coming online. The creators of Toy Story. Good morning, fellas. Hey, what's shaking, bacon? Did you lose weight or a limb? Take you into the world behind your closet door. Roz, you're looking fabulous today. Is that a new haircut? New makeup. You've had a lift. You've had a tuck. You've had something. Ah! We've always been afraid monsters were there. Scary feet, scary feet, scary feet. Oh, the kid's awake. Waiting to scare us. Twins and a bunk bed. <laughs> but what we didn't know is that we scared them. What happened? The kid almost touched me. You can't touch a child. They're toxic. If a kid ever got through one of our doors, the results would be catastrophic. Okay. Ah! Walt Disney Pictures presents... Machine. A Pixar Animation Studios film. Boo! Oh, 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 
There's a kid here! A human kid! Yeah, my number eight is Monsters Inc. Or Monsters Incorporated. Um, yeah, this is a ton of fun in a theater when it, when it came out. Um, you know, is that early time when there'd only been two Toy Story movies and Bugs Life? Bugs Life? Mm-hmm. And so it was like, this was still like CGI, um, like fully animated CGI movies were an experiment. Um, and so it was just cool that like Pixar was already on their way to like, like creating a hit after hit um, yeah. in the like, because um, I remember like being a Bugs Life, like lighting up people's. Um, no, I remember the short in front of it better than I remember G- the Gerald's movie. game. Yeah, yeah, but this like proved that they were on their way to like making oh, yeah. hit after hit. Of yeah, no, yeah, I love this movie. It shows up way later on my list, but it. Yeah, you're right. They because Sully looks really incredible, and I mean, I, I watched it just recently with Kellen, and it's still. I mean, the story is fantastic. That the movie is great, but you can see how far they've come when you get to Monsters University. Uh, there's a s- shot in Monsters University where it's like just leaves falling on the road and stuff is incredible. And here they're starting to get push the boundaries of what they can do in animation. And their storytelling is second to none, I think. Yeah, I mean, I remember being blown away when they realized, like, it's so obvious, like, making the kids laugh generates more power than scaring mm-hmm. them. Like, yeah, it's just brilliant. Yeah, it's just fun. I, I love Pixar. Surprisingly, a movie that's not on my list. That's okay. Yep. Zach? That's fine. Steve Buscemi can just haunt you later tonight or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, my number eight is a movie from uh, that I did see in the theater uh, with my parents and my sister, and we didn't know what to make of it. I didn't know what to make of it for years. Now I consider it something that people need to stop shitting on. This is our future. when man has become dependent on robots to satisfy our every need. Man made us better at what we do than was ever humanly possible. Science will create a new order of artificial being. You're a machine. I'm a boy. Impossible. More intelligent, more feeling, and more human than ourselves. Until you were born, robots didn't dream, robots didn't desire unless we told them what to want. Some of us will embrace it. He is only a child. Monica, he's a toy. He's a gift. Others will fear it. They made us too smart, too quick, and too many. That's why they hate us. Stay away from people. Stay away from all people. Only others like you are safe. The humans, they'll stop at nothing. What do we do? We will have to journey towards the moon. 
afraid of seeing the stars. I can show you how to reach them. So my number eight is AI, artificial intelligence. Um, Steven Spielberg. Um, taking kind of a risk in terms of what people expect out of him um, because he's essentially doing a Kubrick film. And this was supposed to be a Kubrick film and was bandied about back and forth between them for so long. And Kubrick died in 99 before Eyes Wide Shut came out, Ryan? Yep. I'm assuming correct. So Spielberg decided upon to actually actualize this project. Um, And... I was confused by the movie as a kid because I didn't understand if David, um, like, if he brought back his mom to life or what it was trying to do. Because I was like, it was, I was ten, I wasn't gonna fully grasp the entire concept. But I, I thought was confused the movie, as an adult. Oh, <laughs> I thought the movie looked very pretty though as a kid. So I was always like, oh, it looks cool. I just don't understand it. As I got older, I, I actively wish on a weekly basis that Spielberg would go back to taking a risk like this. Because there is an attempt to do something here that's a little bit beyond what he's normally expected to do, which he first does in something like Schindler's List, or even Always, I guess, if you want to, and Color Purple, if you want to go back to that kind of territory. Um, but uh, but now we get these two modes of him. We get either a sincere drama. Um, that has his touch to it, or we get some kind of fantasy fun movie. Or a musical. Or a musical, yes. Stay tuned for West Side Story. Um, But I really wish that I could see a Spielberg movie like this come out a little more often, so I'm hoping to God that that's what that like semi-autobiographical movie he's making is going to do, is kind of give him a a, a different chance to flex his muscles, um, being the age that he is and going on. But I remember liking... um, uh, Haley Joel Osment in the movie, and I think he still stands up, stands out in the movie, rocks it. The CGI doesn't entirely hold up, but it's kind of like a weird template for what he ends up doing with Ready Player One. Like a lot of the space and the scope of that film, I think, like there has to be a confidence that you only achieve after doing something like AI to be able to go into like all the all the insanity that Ready Player One puts at you. And obviously the technology has improved, but to understand the scope and the space of what you're trying to achieve um, and how it's going to fit in the frame for what you're filming on a green screen versus what's going to end up on that computer, this had to be the best test run of that kind of concept imaginable. So, um, I feel like it's a test run for Minority Report. Which is still the one movie of Spielberg's I haven't seen yet. Oh, oh my God. I have it on Blu-ray. I just haven't oh, watched shocking. it. Shocking. Watch it. It's good. I've got it on Blu-ray. Heck. Something to do tomorrow night then, I guess, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I really wish that people would give this movie a shot. I, I think James and I have had discussions about this not being as bad as people uh, said it was. And I don't even think people like shit on it actively, but I know that it, it gets relegated to this weird corner. And I'm like, I would argue that if he's the greatest living director of all time, you need to consider this as something of merit it's not like 1941 where there's a lot of problems on the on the surface like this is a movie that is actively doing something pretty decent so also it only came out a couple of weeks after 9-11 so maybe people just weren't in the right mindset for I, it I, well i know theater attendance dipped like nobody wanted to go out you know so um it is a really bleak movie though it is, it, so. it is yeah but we went to the theaters because we're still loyal theater goers my family at least i am my sister doesn't go anymore 
Anyway, number eight, AI, a Spielberg, a senior Spielberg motion picture. Hey, remember how I said I love stupid movies? Here's another one. This summer, take a trip back to 1981 with the special people who made summer camp unforgettable. guys aren't supposed to be out of your bunks. You're in trouble. The camp director. Four campers are stuck in the ropes course. I meant to tell you about that yesterday. Could you get to it now? The counselors. Wait for me, Abby Bernstein. Wait for me, my darling. Wait, wait, wait. That's when they got my shirt. The kitchen staff. Finish up the taters. I'm going to go fondle my sweaters. Come on, what? You said you were going to go fondle your sweaters. No, I didn't. The water sports. Sure. The nature hikes. Out, out. And of course, who can forget the sex, the muggings, the cover-ups, the malaria, the psychotherapy. Hello. And the friendships <laughs> that last a lifetime. We want you to be the guest of honor at our wedding next week. From USA Films <laughs> and creators of TV's The State. A renegade piece of Skylab heading right for the camp. Oh my God. It could kill us all. Janine Garofalo, David Hyde Pierce, Paul Rudd, Christopher Maloney, and Molly Shannon. Andy, have you seen my swimming buddy? I was busy. It's your job to make sure kids don't drown. Um. Where are we going? To a big secret pizza party. Wet, hot American summer. So... You have to be in the right frame of mind to watch these guys. Um, From the guys who made the state. Yeah. And uh, also, uh, they came together, which I, they, I fucking love. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's Wet Hot American Summer is my number eight film. It's, uh, I think you mentioned it's, yeah, it's basically Friday 13th without Jason, where it's totally stupid and it has so many great actors in it. Elizabeth Banks, you know, Amy Poehler, Paul Rudd. Janine Garofalo. Janine Garofalo. Uh, David Hyde Pierce. Yeah. They're just, it's, it's, there's, it's really just people at camp and there's really no big arcing story. It's like a character piece. Yeah. Like you're literally just watching people meander for 80 minutes. <laughs> Be weird. And there's something about Paul Rudd being a douchebag that I love. <laughs> I think he's so great at it. And I, this movie is really hard to describe. It's just really weird and it's really funny. And you, you have to be in the right mindset to watch it because it's not one of those movies that the gags are really in your face. It's kind of, you have to listen to what they're saying for it to be funny. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you do, you'll be rewarded with a really clever script and having lots of fun. David Wayne did role models too, didn't he? He did. Yeah. He's so him, Michael Showalter and Michael Ian Black are also part of a comedy group called Stella. Mm -hmm. And it's really weird too. If you go to ComedyCentral.com, they probably have their, their standups. Yeah. If you can find the state, I don't know if it, where it is on physical media right now, um, or if it's streaming, but check out the state. Um, if you like wet, hot American summer, because the state is funny as all heck. It's like this, Comedy sketch show they did on MTV for like what two seasons? Mm-hmm. Never really picked up, but you get um, yeah Thomas Lennon out of that as well. Yeah, like um, I said, it's a really offbeat sense of humor, mm-hmm. and if you're not on board with it in the first fifteen minutes, it'll be really hard for you to get on board <laughs> yeah. with it. Um, but again, I love it, um, 
and it's lots of fun. Henry, number seven. Uh, my number seven is also a comedy. Uh, yeah, it's a comedy about legalese. Let's find out what number seven is. One of the reasons I wanted to come here tonight was to discuss our future. Of course. I plan on running for office someday. Warner. I think we should break up. What? L. If I'm going to be a senator, I need someone serious. I'm seriously in love with you. I love you. Liar! This is the type of girl that Warner wants to marry. A law student. Going to Harvard is the only way I'm going to get the love of my life back. For my admissions essay, Action. I'm going to tell all of you why I'm going to make an amazing lawyer. I feel comfortable using legal jargon in everyday life. I object. Her list of extracurricular activities is impressive. She was in a Ricky Martin video. Aren't we always looking for diversity? Welcome to Harvard. Don't be scared. Everyone will love you. No? Uh, I'm sorry, are you here to see me? I go here. You got into Harvard Law? What, like it's hard? I got a PhD from Berkeley. MBA from Wharton. I've been deworming orphans in Somalia. Two weeks ago, I saw Cameron Diaz at Fred Siegel, and I talked her out of buying this truly heinous Angora sweater. <laughs> Malibu Barbie lives. I've come to join your study group. Our group is full. Oh, is this like an RSVP thing? No, it's like a smart people thing. I give her two more weeks. What is this? We're betting to see how much longer you're going to last. You're not smart enough, sweetie. I'll show you how valuable Elle Woods can be. MGM Pictures presents... Do you have a resume? It's pink. And it's scented. I think it gives it a little something extra. A comedy about knowing who you are. You think she just woke up one morning and said, I think I'll go to law school today. And showing what you've got. We're defending Brooke Window. You can buy her exercise tapes on infomercials. Wait! Exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. Happy people just don't shoot their husbands. You're fired. What? I have new representation. Reese Witherspoon. Do you remember when we spent those four amazing hours in the hot tub after winter formal? Legally Blonde. Oh, look how cute. There's like a judge in everything. Vote for Henry, you're number seven? My number seven is Legally Blonde. It's a hilarious comedy about a woman who decides to be a lawyer. It's, but uh, yeah. Wait a minute. Great. That's a man's job. I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's great. I think uh, Corinne, in between, in, while the trailer was playing, said it's like a great feminist film. And it is. It's a really good film. Uh, I have The sequel, I thought, was... Uh, and the third sequel was... Uh, but, Wait, there's, uh, a, but this there's more good. than one sequel? There's a third one? There's Legally Blondes. It's about twins. i never twins. heard of it. Mm. I mean, weren't they talking about making a third? Like I think the third one? one's supposed to come out like next year. Uh, they wrapped production last I checked. And so, But, yeah. So... Didn't they know. also make a musical? Yeah, I never saw that. I don't got I that money. <laughs> All right, guys, we're starting a GoFundMe so that Henry can go see Legally Blonde the musical. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, I don't have much else to say. I apparently swept someone. I Probably Ryan. So Ryan will talk about this a lot more when it's I will. Number, two, number one, so. baby. <laughs> this is, I mean, he is wearing a pink hat. I am. It, this is the movie that proved that Victor Garber could be a creep. Oh, Victor Garber oh my is gosh. a great actor. Yeah. That a, scene is so cringe. He's it's, awesome. It's, it's creepy. Now. It's, yeah, it's creepy as shit. Like, he's awesome in Alias. Really at him. 
Mm-hmm. Any Alias fans here? No. Nope. Yes, right. uh, yes, we get it. J.J. Abrams did a thing mm-hmm. that one time. Just the once. Yeah. <laughs> just the once. I mean, Never he, again. I mean, <laughs> Alias stars Jeffrey Garner as a kick-ass. Did it have a satisfying yeah, finale? Uh, sure. <laughs> Might be the only thing satisfying <laughs> finale J.J. Abrams ever done. No, I think the Lost finale is good. Lost finale is fine. People, I, I, I got turned around on it. James you know, turned me around. You know, I actually like the Lost finale because I got on the Lost uh, bandwagon after the show ended. So I bought all the DVDs, seasons one through six, blind because James was always talking about Lost. I said, you know, fuck it, whatever, I'll watch it. Yep. And so I was not invested in it stripped away like the hype that's, about how much people hated it that's the best way to do any television show because then that way you're not setting yourself up for yeah. disappointment and i think sometimes people have unrealistic expectations because to me the ending of lost makes perfect sense but yeah let's be honest the only frustrating ending to a tv series of all time was boardwalk empire because they skipped ahead <laughs> to the end of prohibition and then yes it's still wonderful because it wraps up the stories but you didn't have to skip ahead you could have paid for two more seasons god damn it hbo but we'll give us flying dragons anyway yes <laughs> anywho legally blonde that's <laughs> what we're I know, talking kidding, about game of thrones fans i want you to guys to have your fun too corinne number seven from one romantic comedy to the other, this is, you know, it was definitely going to be on my list because, I mean, it has my man in it. And also, it's an adaptation of one of my favorite books. These are very silly little boots. And this is a very silly little dress. And um, these are, uh, for me, absolutely enormous pants. I'm sorry, I have to have another look. They're too good to be No. Told. There's nothing to be embarrassed by. I'm wearing something quite similar myself. No. Here, I'll show you. Oh. <laughs> What the hell was that trailer? (laughs) I don't even think they said the name of the movie. Anyway, my number seven is Bridget Jones' Diary, which doesn't... The trailer didn't even have Colin Firth in it. I know, that that seemed really weird, right? Such a weird trailer. (laughs) It was just basically them, like, gonna have sex. Yeah. But then, oh my God, she has the wrong kind of underwear? How are they possibly gonna ever make out? Doesn't even, like, capture, like, the, you know whole journey that she goes on or any of the comedy in the film it's just it, awkward that's 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 anyway, all they wanted to sell it on bridget jones diary is a very loose modernized adaptation of pride and prejudice so you know it's gonna be on my list there's no hand flexing in this movie there is there no unfortunately there is not. then it's imperfect <laughs> i know i know the hand flex man <laughs> but no it's a very charming movie my uh, mom loves this yeah. movie it's just, it's a lot of fun and just, you know, it has like some of that awkward humor in it where it's just, you know, sort of like those episodes of The Office where you're like, it's kind of cringy, but, but it's funny at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. It, so if this is an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, explain to me The Edge of Reason and Bridget Jones's Baby. Those, those are, are Hamlet. Just <laughs> <laughs> 
and the Tempest. I mean, it kind of, it's just like continuation of this world. Like they do continue some of like the tropes and the themes of like Pride and Prejudice, but. I was going to say that you said Hamlet. A lot of it is just like misunderstanding. Bridget Jones's diary is actually Faust. So. Yeah. So anyway, it's just the story of a woman who realizes that her boyfriend is a piece of trash and that she needs to have her own life and so she goes off and she you know be you know she becomes a better a better person and she also has to learn that you know you can't judge a book by its cover and you definitely can't judge colin firth when he's wearing a christmas sweater i mean a really stupid christmas sweater think about if you think about today's society that we live in there are 500 million People, man or woman, who would jump on Colin Firth with a Christmas sweater on? So I would be one of those people. Yeah, I mean, I would be saving s- him from the mob, but who, I would still do it. Who, who's to say none of us would if put in that situation? Anyway, my number seven, Bridget Jones' Diary. Brad, uh, yeah, my number seven um, is unfortunately uh, a lead actor who's been canceled, um, <laughs> but. Uh, in 2001, I thought this was a, was a good sci-fi movie. I'd like to begin by asking you if you know why you're here. Of course. You think I'm crazy. He claims to be not human. A visitor from another planet. K-Pax. K-Pax? That's about 1,000 of your light years away. Really? Well, let's hope extraterrestrials qualify for Medicaid. You're really from up there? He certainly has a way about him. That's a lovely configuration you're wearing today. Everyone wants to know about the alien patient. He most definitely has a sensitivity to white light. He can detect a wavelength of up to 400 angstroms. Ultraviolet. I didn't think human beings could see ultraviolet light. We can't. Hmm. Your produce alone has been worth the trip. I would like to go there. To your room, planet. I'm afraid I can only take one person back with me when I go. I'm the one going. You're beaming back to K-Pax. On July 27th. Why July 27th? I'm going to have a great time explaining that I got psychotics on the fourth floor packing up their sneakers because they all think they're going off to K-Pax. He's the most convincing delusional I've ever come across. I will miss you, Dr. Powell. What are you afraid of? What, what is this patient he's, doing he's to you? He's telling me that on July 27th, something terrible happened to him. I've got to get to him before that date. Time is running out for him. You know what I've learned about your planet? There's enough life on Earth to fill 50 planets. Be prepared for anything. She says she doesn't hear so well on her left side, so, so don't sneak up on her anymore. No way. What would you say if I were to tell you I believe you're as human as I am? I would say you're in need of a Thorazine drip, Doctor. On K-Pax, when I'm gone, nobody misses me. There would be no reason to. Yet I sense that when I leave here... What the hell? I will be missed. Strange feeling. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a beam of light to catch. Yeah, so my number seven is k-pax uh starring kevin spacey uh, who is not allowed to act anymore and um jeff bridges is a uh counselor therapist uh 
uh, Kevin Spacey is picked up somewhere. Um, he is reported as delusional because he uh, keeps telling people that he's a being from another planet who's come to Earth uh, to observe, and eventually, uh, at a certain date, he'll be taken back home. And so Jeff Bridges gets to figure out if this is true or not. Um, and somehow he has knowledge of things that someone po can possibly know like, uh, about people's lives and then like where his planet is. Like eventually they go to a bunch of astro scientists and he's able to chart a course for like a planet that's miles away that they couldn't find, but that they do. Um, and, uh, but realistically they think he's just, uh, like a, a mental patient who just has some disorder that's connected to like a tragedy in his life and he's avoiding it by creating this character. Um, and so, yeah, the movie just kind of, you're following Jeff Bridges trying to do some detective work on finding out like what that trauma is. And, um, yeah, I was never a fan of this movie. Yeah, I, could, I, I could never get into it. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a while, which is like I'm struggling to like explain it. No, I mean you so. explained it right. It's it's one of those movies I saw once and I didn't like it, and then it's I was, you maybe I should watch this again. Yeah, to and some extent, it's like, oh, like he he's eating a banana rung. Like, yeah, how weird is that? You know that that that's kind of corny, but for the rest of it, you know, trying like trying to figure out like what this guy's trauma is and if he's actually an alien or not. Yeah, um, and then it, the ending is sort of ambiguous, even though it leans heavily in like yeah he. He disappeared, but, you know, he could have easily just walked out of the <laughs> uh, asylum. So, um, so yeah. you're telling me you ranked this higher than one of the best movies of all time? Which yep. is what? And it has the lead actors canceled? Yeah. Hey, I mean, Jeff Bridges I told is a good you guy. coming into the show. <laughs> <laughs> what did Henry say? Jeff Bridges is it's a, a good, good guy. guy. <laughs> Jeff Bridges is dope. He yeah. just he just got into remission from cancer, guys. So let's everybody praise that, yeah. Jeff Bridges, the dude abides. But I did preface this with Tony like Stark. I, was, I explained my list was heavily from Brad Stark. from 2001, and Brad from 2001 adored this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you said that Brad from 2001 also would have put Lord of the Rings five spots higher. So yeah, we also said that it's a blend of those two things. <laughs> so I don't appreciate this interrogation. <laughs> I've never had. I mean, I'm, I'm just gonna keep on quoting my Iron own Man. opinion scrutinized <laughs> so much. Tony, Tony, Tony. Now I'm, that is a cool question. I'm buying you out. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Ryan, don't you know? I'm the one that And what was you your out. number seven, Brad? You know, I still like Glenn, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and I'm not going to stop watching it because Kevin Spacey's <laughs> in it. So Yeah, uh, his is a little weird, though. I mean, I know he's had rumors about it, but the the people that are accusing him, I, I don't know. There's way more to the story. Um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I'm not going to make this about him. It's just yeah. Like, yeah, it's just. It's not like he didn't make the movie. He's just an actor yeah. in it. So I'm not yep. going to like cancel Jeff Bridges in the process. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I struggle when I watch The Naked Gun and O.J. Simpson's in it. Yeah. <laughs> this sucks. In <laughs> um, all of them. Yeah. yeah. And I think it was also, like, shot beautifully. So. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's yeah. well made. Um, Zach, your number seven? My number seven is a repeat. It is Monsters, Inc. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, we saw this in an IMAX, oh. which was really cool. And, um, you know, I, I mean, we were just talking about a Coen Brothers actor in Jeff Bridges. You know, mm -hmm. there's another... Coen Brothers actor and John Goodman there and, and I'd love me some John Goodman and 
pretty much anything. Oh yeah, John Goodman. I won't awesome. go back to Roseanne anymore for a lot of reasons, but <laughs> um, but that's fine because he made movies with two wonderful brothers uh, and Billy Crystal, who mm-hmm. um, I do love and appreciate, um, and Steve Buscemi. Frank Oz is in this movie. Um, it's I love the. I still love the entire concept of it. It's run as this efficient bureaucracy of of scaring children uh, through these magic doors in order to collect their screams to fuel the city. And I do love that twist with laughter being a better s- source of energy. And um, it's just I just remember it making me laugh like crazy when we saw it in the theater, and it just. It's it's just a nice little warm memory of a blanket. Yeah. It's a Pixar movie. I, I mean, I feel like I could be rambling on and on, but we know the answer. It's a fucking Pixar movie, you know? Um, so, yeah, my number seven, Monsters, Inc. My number seven is about some cool dudes. It's never been done before. What's the target? When was the last time you were in Vegas? You want to knock over a casino? Three casinos? Vegas, huh? Vegas. Vegas. Fantastic. The heist is impossible. Casino security cannot be beaten. You're out of your minds. Exactly. <laughs> you are up to something, Danny. What? You're pulling a job, aren't you? You're a thief and a liar. I only lied about being a thief. You're gonna need a crew as nuts as you are. Who do you got in mind? Smash and grab job, huh? Slightly more complicated than that. Say we get down the elevator, we can't move and past the guards with the guns and into the vault we can't open. We're just supposed to walk out of there with $150 million in cash. Yeah. Oh. But these guys, that is the sexiest thing I have ever seen, are just crazy enough. You'd need at least a dozen guys doing a combination of cons. Do you understand any of this? I'll explain later. To pull off the con. Someone call for a doctor? of the century. We're set. We're set. We're set. Do it already. Why don't you check the batteries? Congratulations. You're a dead man. George Clooney, Matt Damon, Andy Garcia, Brad Pitt, and Julia Roberts. Why do this? Why not do it? From the Academy Award-winning director of Traffic and Erin Brockovich. Because the house takes you. Unless, when that perfect hand comes along, you bet big, and then you take the house. I've been practicing this speech a little bit. Did I rush it? It felt like I rushed it. No, it's good. I liked it. Ocean's Eleven. You're either in or you're out. I'm staying in. Uh, so my number seven is Ocean's Eleven. Seven Eleven. What? <laughs> if you placed it there for that dumb I, I joke. To- I totally did. I just wanted to set up this no, one no, joke. No, I, no. I realized it while I was watching this fucking trailer. Um, no, it's, it's, if I think of a cool movie, it's definitely Ocean's Eleven. Everybody in it, super cool. Uh, I wanted to be Brad Pitt. You know, I love that he purposely eating. is eating yeah. in the mm-hmm. scenes. It's something that he wanted to do for the character. Uh, I wanted to be Carl Reiner, peeling an orange, being left alone at a dog track. <laughs> he was specifically not being left alone at a dog track. That was kind of the whole well, point. Well, yeah, no, but he wanted to be alone, but then Rusty had to interfere with his life yet again, give him near cataract. Man, come on, man. So, yeah, so, uh, Henry, this is right where it needs to be, I think. Um, 
as seven or as six. So. Uh, well, I mean, technically, mine's on the edge. You know what I mean? You know, yeah, fair enough. I think. I mean, I so think... I mean, and since Corinne put it at six two, I think we're all kind of in agreement of yeah. exactly where it needs to be. That's three fifths of the nerds. I would here. agree. I'm sure it would I... be a six or seven on uh, James's list as well. So yes. I would probably put it a little <laughs> higher, but. Everything else on the list was just a little more meaningful to sure. me. Like, this is, like, an excellent movie, and mm. I would sit down and watch this any day of the week. I'll tell you. Like I said, it's entertaining. You know, Also, it's... it was on cable a lot, I think. Oh, yeah. And I love that ending. Did you go to the theater for it? Yeah. Okay, right on. Good. I, I just love heist movies and how you're, you're trying to... It's almost, like, a little bit like a mystery. Like, you're trying mm. to figure out exactly how they're going to pull off the heist. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of feel like, okay, I think I got an idea. But then... At the end, you get the revolution of how they really did it, and you're like, oh, that's so cool. And, you know, this has a great revelation in that sense. And also, I just love that sequence where everyone's standing at the fountain and Claire de Lune plays, and then they all just take their moment and just walk away. We'll talk about it. (laughs) Henry, what would you like to add? I like it when they steal the money. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's my review of Ocean's Eleven. I like the part where, where where they succeed at at the job they were assigned to do in the hits. <laughs> Love it. when things happen. And so <laughs> it's really engrossing. Like that yeah. opening, you know, up until they get the team assembled. Like it kind of takes a while, but you don't even notice it. No, I think I think it moves by really quickly. Um, it's got good energy, yeah. good pacing to it. Yep. Because all the actors, I'm telling you, mm-hmm. that is all a good know what crew. they're doing. Well, man, we're going to skip all the way to Brad for number six. Brad? Uh, my number six is the actual best heist movie of the year. Oh, shit. Excuse me. Can you help me, please? Blast Norman? Yes. Two blocks this way, one block that way to the left, and you're right there. Okay, thank you. Okay. Thank you, Nick. I'm Max's guy in the customs house. 24 guards. This is a very big payoff. For very acceptable risks. $30 million. Nine video cameras. All right. Paint me a picture. I got floor plans. I got security completely wrapped around my finger. Sorry, sorry. Four alarm systems. I can handle the system in there if someone else can break into this box. After this, no more jobs. This is the last one I'm doing. I'm quitting. Yeah, how many times you told me that in 25 years? All to protect a safe that has never been cracked. You gotta admit that this kid did a pretty good show. Thank you, thank you. I run this operation down to the smallest detail. If I think for one second you're not living up to your end of it, or if you hold out on me in any way, I walk. Understood? That doesn't work for me. I've done this down to the last detail. Don't put me on the sideline when it's time to collect. Don't do it. It's a dangerous game you're playing here. Are we clear? Yeah, we're clear. I'll take some respect from you for starters. How about that? Paramount Pictures and Mandalay Pictures present... Who's this? Cousin. Cousin. That's my cousin. We've all got family here, which is nice. In 25 years, I've never worked with a gun, and I'm not going to start now. Next time, don't bring a gun. Robert De Niro. Edward Norton. Angela Bassett and Marlon Brando. Can you get me the bypass codes? You want to talk or you want to see what I got? Got it. It will take all of them to get it. Tick-tock. But only one will keep it. Do you think I'm stupid? Do you think I don't see what you and Max are doing? When did you start thinking you were better than me? You trying to talk me into taking a sucker's share on a score that I set up 
from the beginning. This whole game is one big long shot, and if you don't have the discipline to stay away from the gambles, then one day you will go down. It's inevitable. You want me to list the ways I can burn you? We either work this out right now, or I will take you down. So yeah, my number six is the score, uh, where Robert De Niro is apparently the greatest uh, thief in the world, and Marlon Brando hires him for one last job, um, and then they have bring, to do his job. I'm out. Uh, and he <laughs> brings in Edward now. Norton uh, initially to do the job, and he needs Robert De Niro's help, and um, yeah, they have to team up and crack into this Montreal customs house to get a scepter and they go into really great detail on pulling off that heist. Um, and, uh, yeah, I literally watched it last night cause I hadn't seen mm. it in a while. I can't even, I know I've seen it, but I don't remember the intricacies of the film at all. Yeah. I was like, I was trying to work on this Blu-ray and I was constantly just sucked in to mm. watching the movie again. It was just like, it was just so good. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's like, they go into really specific detail on how to break into this customs house and steal the scepter. Um, and it's really inventive on how like as they go along, new obstacles are presented to them mm-hmm. and they have to like overcome them. Like once they, you know, they get the, they finally get the security schematics for the safe itself. And then when they actually look into it, there's like another barrier to entry that they have to like overcome. And, hmm. um, yeah, God, man. I can't. And meanwhile, it's starting like, to come back to me. Yeah, and like along the way, Edward Norton's like not on the up and up as mm-hmm. as a character. He's like constantly feeling disrespected by Robert De Niro. Um, yeah, so it's interesting to see how that plays out. And uh, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of great people in it. I mean, those two, Angela Bassett. It, I mean, it's pretty high pedigree too. Yeah, it's directed by Frank Oz. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, and the, like one of the. On the special features, there's this really impressive thing where, you know, they only have a certain shooting schedule, but uh, they go to this hacker's house at one point to get some codes for the security system. And the outer, uh, the outside of the apartment building is in, looks like day in the movie, but in the special features, it's totally a night scene that they lit for day. Oh, wow. And would not tell, like I was looking, knowing that I was looking Mm -hmm. to like, you know, this part of the scene should be darker or something. And like, you should see where the light's coming from and yeah, I can't tell. It was, it's brilliant how hmm. lighting people are able to do that um, in this movie. Um, so, yeah, the score, I think it's really good. Zach, number six. All right, my number six comes with uh, two disclaimers. Number one, um, when it comes to two movies regarding uh, apes or monkeys this year, um, this is one of them. The second is is that in spite of how weird the reputation of this film is, um, I still appreciate its very quirky approach and uh, one of the particular actors in the movie. Show me the monkey! Shake that monkey! Stu Miley is the creator. The man behind the monkey. Monkey Bone is his creation. I love your way. Stu was about to have it all until it all came crashing down. From the director of The Nightmare Before Christmas. Hello? Am I dead? (laughs) 
comes the story of a man whose imagination brought a monkey to life. This is living. Hey! Get your fat butt out of my face. And a monkey. We've got big plans for that body of yours. Who wanted a life of his own. If it screams, if it swings, it's got to be drinks for everybody. Monkey Bone, 20th Century Fox presents Brendan Fraser, Bridget Fonda. The woman I love is living with a little monkey that looks like me. Dive, dive, dive! Ow! What a lucky girl. Monkey Bone. Sorry, kitty. Be right back after I choke my monkey! Hey, hey, hey. Come on and play. Yeah, so my number six is Monkey Bone. Uh, Henry Selleck's uh, live action foray. Um, it's, uh, it's a film that I am amazed even got made. Um, it's too off the wall and cerebral. And uh, we were talking about it during the trailer, but like it was bringing up allusions to Cool World. In a world where Cool World had failed, I don't know how you greenlight the movie. Um, but I do, I do still enjoy the movie. I will pop it on every so often. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Brendan Fraser plays Stu, a cartoonist who uh, created a character called Monkey Bone, um, and he's getting ready to propose to the woman he loves, and he gets into a car wreck, and it sends him into a coma, um, and he gets sent to a place called Downtown, um, where all the people who are comatose go in sort of a kind of like purgatory thing, and he runs into the creation of Monkey Bone himself, who uh, then proceeds to find a way to get back into Stu's body, and the movie becomes about Stu trying to get out of downtown and get back to the real world and stop Monkey Bone from inhabiting his body. Um, it has a very off-the-wall cast. In addition to Brendan Fraser, you have Bridget Fonda, you have Dave Foley, you've got Bob Odenkirk as a surgeon in the movie, um, and you have Chris Kattan, whose movie career went nowhere because um, Corky Romano was not obviously a success. Um, but um, And you have John Turturro playing Monkey Bone. I really appreciate the kind of like cerebral wackiness kind of going on in downtown. Um, the stuff outside of, of the Henry Selleck kind of Nightmare Before Christmas realm uh, is a little bit contrived, but it, it it manages to keep a consistent dark tone throughout the entire movie. The movie ends with Dave Foley covered in purple paint, yelling into the camera, people, take off your clothes, take off your clothes, and then it turns into a cartoon version of himself as he flies away. The movie's out of its goddamn mind. It's part of the reason I love it. Um, <clears throat> I remember begging my folks to watch this movie and they refused. And maybe that was a smart choice. I don't know. But I ended up watching it behind their backs with the help of my cousin Garrett uh, at my grandparents' house when I went to visit them, which was like a week or two before 9-11, I believe, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. So, yeah, um, it's a movie that I would recommend if you enjoy a little bit of offbeat, uh, dark humor um, that you're not going to hold up to a high bar. I think you could just kick back and enjoy the, the wackiness of this film. And Brendan Fraser is somebody that I've always admired. And 
I'm really happy to see that he's going to be in a Martin Scorsese movie. That's going to be one of the most amazing movies of all time now. Um, <clears throat> but also just, just kind of watching like what kind of movies would get funded in 2001 versus now where this movie would never get funded unless it was maybe for a streaming service. Maybe. I don't know. I, you know, I was never a fan of this movie. It's just way too bizarre. Just mm. way too bizarre. I understand. It's not for everybody. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it stuck with me as much as it did because around this time I was starting to get more into Tim Burton and this falls in line with that aesthetic to some degree. Um, and Henry Selleck obviously directed Nightmare Before Christmas and whatnot. I know that Coraline is is a better masterpiece for Selleck, but for me, I kind of I, I go towards this one because I'm just like, nah, this is just this is just insane. Nobody should have greenlit this. Nobody should have given him money to do this. Um, so yeah, number six, Monkey Bone. Check it out if you uh, want to. Not all of the humor holds up today, guys. As a as a disclaimer, <laughs> like, <laughs> yep, just too bizarre of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's okay. Uh, speaking of bizarre movies, and I, I mentioned at the top of the the program that there's a movie on here that I didn't appreciate when I first saw it in 2001 in the theater. I'm a big fan of this actor, and then as I rewatched it recently, I realized that I'm seeing a really cool film. This is my number six. Open your eyes. Live our whole lives without any real adventure to call our own. What is any life if not the pursuit of a dream? They're all waiting for you. Courtney Love called to see if you got her email, and the art department still needs a decision on the color of the letters for the bikini issue. David, which one? slept with Julie Gianni again, didn't you? Julie's a friend. Sometimes we sleep together. You can do whatever you want with your life, but one day you'll know what love truly is. To what do I owe this pleasure? The pleasure of Sophia. I would spend the rest of my life with that girl, man. I am not going in there. Okay, good night. Beautiful. How much for? One kiss. That smile is gonna be the end of me. David Ames. You're following me. I just felt bad at your party. When did you stop caring, David? Slow down, Julie. When you sleep with someone, your body makes a promise whether you do or not. Do you believe in God? What a situation here. What is this? I didn't do this. You've been charged with murder. There's no murder. Not once, Sophia. Back. These people are dangerous. They want to steal my life! There's an explanation for all this, David.
so number six. Uh, number six for me is uh, Vanilla Sky, which stars Tom Cruise as this uh, publisher who is really vain and treats women like shit. And the trailer is interesting because it kind of treats it as this happy-go-lucky. Hey, I'm a scoundrel, but look at this hot woman who's now coming to my door. And it kind of... Life is so rough for Tom Cruise. Yeah. But it's interesting because it really devolves into a, a murder mystery. And... It gets really surreal. Like it's it is. Really it is. It's a very... Like I said, I didn't like this when I first saw it. But as I watched it recently, I'm, I'm, I really like this movie. And it also deconstructs because, you know, Tom Cruise at this time, he just made Mission Impossible 2. He's always been kind of like the you know, the handsome pretty boy guy. And what they don't show you in this trailer is he actually gets disfigured in that car accident. And as he has, his face gets worse and worse. He becomes a worse and worse per It's a really bizarre movie, but the, the acting in it is incredible. It's the first time I really liked Cameron Diaz in a film. Um, what about Shrek? Nope. Oh. And, uh, so she, you know, kind of ups her game and, <laughs> Uh, it's not for everybody. It's one of those movies I think is really polarizing. You either love it or you don't. And it was an interesting take from for Cameron Crowe because he doesn't really make films that are that surreal. Um, so, yeah, if you want to see an interesting film, definitely check it out. Uh, there is a 20th anniversary that I pre-ordered coming out from Paramount Presents or something. I just love Henry going, what about Shrek? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. That is my number six film. Henry, number five. My number five film is actually a repeat. Uh, my number five film was Moulin Rouge. It's a, it's a fun dance film and a fun music film. And also, everyone in it is super hot. What's not to like? And so, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just find it to be a super fun film. I kind of hate Baz Luhrmann. Uh, like, I've not liked really <laughs> I any think that's other a lot of um, sentiment. Is like His movies look great. Yeah. But to me, they're so overindulgent, I just can't get into them. I'd have to imagine this is the best of his films by a large measure. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. I just really like it a lot. I, yeah, like I said, I, Baz Luhrmann's someone who's style over substance, but in a way, it's kind of like dumping an entire gallon of sugar into your coffee. It's like, someone's going to like that, but I don't. And so, like, but this one worked for me. And so I really like this one a lot. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I, that's all I got to say about that. It's Moulin Rouge. It's my number five. I think it's because the story lends itself really well to that style. Like yeah. It's just so melodramatic anyway that it kind of fits with this whole like over the top and singing like different, you know, versions of love songs from the radio. This kind of jukebox yeah. musical. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't feel like a jukebox musical at all. Agreed. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't sweep you too bad, I hope. No, you're fine. Corinne, number five. Uh, my number five uh, is a movie that just came up in conversation. Princess, where are you? It's very spooky in here. I'm playing no games. Well, at least we know where the princess is. But where's the dragon? DreamWorks Pictures invites you to a land of fairy tales. Hey! Oh, no, 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 no. Dead girl off the table. Where are we supposed to put her? The bed's taken. 
What? Where an unlikely hero... Ah! You definitely need some Tic Tacs or something, because your breath stinks! ...rescues a fair princess... You didn't slay the dragon? It's on my to-do list. ...from a nasty villain... Eat me! ...with the help of his trusty companion... This is gonna be fun. We can stay up late, swapping manly stories, and in the morning, I'm making waffles. Ah! This summer... One name spells action. You're not exactly what I expected. One name spells adventure. How about him? Before this is over, I'm gonna need a whole lot of serious therapy. One name. Don't look down. I'm looking down. Spells romance. It's no way to behave in front of a princess. She's as nasty as you are. Come on! Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy, Cameron Diaz, John Lithgow. You love this woman, don't you? Yes. You want to hold her? Yes. Please! Uh, yes! Then you got the, got the bottom little peasant there! Shrek. Wow. Let's do that again. No, no. So my number five is Shrek. It's, uh, you know, Ryan, you had the parody movie on your list. This is kind of a parody movie, too, but True. it mm -hmm. kind of transcends that, and it becomes its own thing. And I, I love the fact that, uh, spoilers, if you've never seen Shrek, which you it's need okay. to. It's okay. It's been 20 years. Um, but the fact that Fiona turns out to be, you know, an ogre herself <gasps> because of the spell is, it's a really refreshing twist. And she does. She chooses to be an ogre at the end of the movie because you know that's what form her true love takes that you can fall in love with anybody true you can't i always say you can't help who you love and you should always just embrace who you love uh, i'm not a fan of the shrek films at all um ryan why they just i just could never get into them um i like the gingerbread man uh that's about it not the buttons. Um, the Muffin Man. The Muffin Man. The Muffin Man. So but quotable. Just, and also, too, this was the start of making animated films that I just despise where it's, I'm going to have a bunch of pop culture references and at the end we're all going to sing a Smash Mouth song and it's going to be really cool. <laughs> I, I don't know. I could never get into them. And then I was really pissed when Shrek 2 beat Spider-Man 2 at the box office. I was like, <laughs> fuck Shrek. There is a... Shrek 2 is awesome. If I could, like, I, full disclosure, I'm not a fan of Shrek much these days. When I was younger, I loved these movies. I've, I've really fallen off a cliff with them. But, but, sorry. but I will say that I, I've seen the debates between, like, the love and hate for it. And the one thing that is interesting that Shrek accomplishes is that it does, it does create a, 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 a competitor to Disney that prior to that never really existed in terms of the animated film. Like that, that is like a big accomplishment that I don't think anybody can take away from DreamWorks. And it, this was the film to really kick that into the stratosphere. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that, you know, the Prince of Egypt is a better movie overall, but this, but it bombed and Katzenberg was pissed. And then he made a bunch of 
horrible so statements because he's Jeffrey Katzenberg. But anyway, uh, you know, I, I have this urge to revisit him. I'm just not a fan. But uh, Kellen, he loves the uh, Halloween like uh, episodes they have on Netflix. It's mm. called Shrek Spooktacular. Oh. And I mean, Kellen likes spooky things, but, you know, he doesn't like spooky things like <laughs> I like. He likes, hey, we're going to throw pumpkins at each other and stuff like that. And I, I mean, I've just would watch him in passing. But Kellen really likes the Shrek spooktacular Halloween special or whatever the hell it's called. Um, there is a great thing on YouTube. You can um, see Chris Farley be Shrek because he was originally Shrek. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a really interesting, different take. Uh, but yeah, it exists. I think it's a movie that's aged well, despite all the constant pop culture references. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll probably give it another chance. You know, they did just put out a really nice like 20th anniversary of it. So mm. we'll yeah. see. Maybe. I like that boulder. That's a nice boulder. Uh, we could stay up. We, we could stay up late, swap Waffle some manly, manly stories, stories, and in the morning, morning I'm, I'm making waffles. Another great one. Yeah. Again, like I, 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 I rewatched this film constantly when I was younger, and I just, I think the pop culture references made it dip off for me. So I think that that's part of the reason why I can't fully like get on the film's wavelength anymore. But. But, I get it. You know, it's so popular that it seems like it's something you should revisit just in case. Mm-hmm. Maybe you never know. Maybe it'll spark something in you. Has ya. Kellen seen the Shrek movies? I don't think so. I think he's only watched the uh, spooktacular stuff. He's well, only seen Over Shrek. the Hedge. That's his only DreamWorks <laughs> movie. Is he does love Bruce Willis in Over the Hedge. That's <laughs> <laughs> <And> Steve Carell. <laughs> anyway, my number five is Shrek. Brad? Uh, my number five, I've watched way more times than Lord of the Rings. Miramax is starting production this Friday on Bluntman and Chronic. Does it say who's playing us in the movie? I'm sure it'll be Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. You know, they put them in a bunch of movies. Jay and Silent Bob are here. Jay and Silent Bob movie? There's a movie being made you two were the basis for. What? And these two guys from Jersey are on a mission. We gotta stop that stupid movie from getting made. Come on, Silent Bob. We're going to Hollywood. If they can manage to get there. How come we ain't getting no rides? Because you're doing it all wrong. Hey, all the hitches do this. It's the first rule in the book. Do you follow the book, too? I live my life by it. You live by the book? Well, you picked us up, didn't you? I gotta. All right. What are you doing? Whoa! We keep our eye on the prize and let nothing distract us. She's a machine, the kind you want to ride, feels like a dream. My friends and I are on a road trip. Your friends, huh? Where are they at? What the? Watch the language, little boy. There's females present? No! Is Hollywood ready for Jay and Silent Bob? Hey! The real Jay and Silent Bob Ah! are breaking into show business. I hate how fake Hollywood is. The hard way. We may very well be dealing with the two most dangerous men on the planet. Fire warning shot into his bulbous... Stand there and react. Don't say anything. Especially you. All right, people. That's pretty funny. This is a good idea, Lunchbox, and these outfits were totally incognito. Hey, they need you on the set. Another white boy in this movie? Damn! Whoa! He 
and Silent Bob strike back. I think George Lucas gonna sue somebody. So yeah, my number five tag teaming with Zach here is Jay and Silent Bob strike back. So you guys are Chinese finger cuffs? <laughs> That's a chasing Amy joke because they tag teamed her. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Thanks. <laughs> yep, we get it. <laughs> and you ruined my attempt to do the review as Silent Bob, so thank you. <laughs> uh yeah, and you didn't hear it while we were playing the trailer, but uh super quotable. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah. Tons of fun. Uh it's on my list. Like I said, I've watched it many, many times. Oh yeah. Um just a classic send up of Hollywood. It's definitely around the time where Maybe. I was really loving Kevin Smith because uh Chasing Amy came out, Dogma, and then he was doing those Evening with Kevin Smith DVDs, and I love the stories about them making movies, and uh, even to this day, I mean, if you get past the weed and all that stuff, he's still a great storyteller, and um, and this movie is a, a big culmin- cartoon. <laughs> yeah, this it's just a culmination of everything I love uh, about Kevin Smith. Um, and at the time, it was supposed to be like the end of the VS universe, uh, but that didn't hold. So, um, yeah, just a great send up of all of his movies and all of his characters. And yeah, it's just a big cartoon. And it's vulgar and hilarious. I mean, it's really the first uh, multiverse movie, too, because they have so many different variants of their characters because you have Ben Affleck playing Ben Affleck and Holden McNeil. Mm-hmm. And then you have... Jason Lee playing uh, Banky and Brody and Brody. Yeah, I think Dante and Dante does. I'm not supposed to be here today. Dante's in it, but Dante's also several different people in all the other films. Yeah, like he's a but he's Grant Hicks. He's he's basically a Hicks. Yeah, that's his that's his multiverse take. Yeah. And Mosier is like Willem and (laughs) yeah, Mosier's Willem and Clerks. But uh, Ethan Suplia's Willem and Mulrats. You know, watching this, it just makes me miff, miff, miss Ben Affleck like that, where he's willing to make fun of himself and have a lot of fun, which that's why I'm like, oh, he's back with J-Lo. Now we're going to be serious Ben Affleck again. Because, you know, the, I love his commentary that he does with on Chasing Amy. It's amazing mm-hmm. where he's making fun of people and himself. And now he's, you know, two-time Academy Award winner Ben Affleck. Yeah. Well, I guess it's that's all I got. Yeah, I guess it's my turn to talk about it. Um, yeah. Uh, that this is this is a this is two things. It's a big old fucking cartoon movie, and it's a wonderful last bastion of when you could have a bunch of celebrities in a movie playing versions of themselves and just have fun with the concept of an inside Hollywood joke. I don't think that those kind of films really work that well anymore with the exception of this is the end. Um, and so this is kind of a last bastion of a genre that did exist when early move, when movies, w- movies were kicking off within the thirties and forties and sound. And you had these all-star extravaganzas. This is, this is that kind of version of it. But as Brad said, it's supposed to be the culmination of the view universe. For me, it's also a good chance to just give Jason the spotlight, which thankfully in the subsequent view askew films he's been getting even more of that and i think that the reboot actually gives him his best acting moment but this is undeniably like it's superb writing it's well directed for the movie they're making and the uh, the amount of memorable moments from this movie that have stood not just the test of time from a view askew fan but also 
just in general, like this movie does croach itself into pop culture in random different places. Um, and, you know, you get to see Carrie Fisher as a nun and get, nearly getting eaten out by Jay until she kicks him out of the car. George Carlin as a hobo who gives head in order to, or a hitchhiker who gives head in order to get rides from truckers. And there's just fun little things popping in and out of the movie. Mark Hamill playing Cockknocker. Um, and uh, getting his hand cut off, and he looks at the camera, and he goes, "Not again!" Like I, I do love the, I do love the way this movie breaks the fourth wall in a way that it's obviously aware it's doing it, and it doesn't give a fuck, and it is going to hold on that moment to turn to their their heads to the camera. Um, again, like my Kevin Smith fandom is, has dipped over the years, but I will always say this is the one filmmaker within a, within a noted variety that still wears his heart on his sleeve and does what he wants to do in a way that I, I, I can never object to whatsoever. Like he wants to make Tusk two. I'll go see Tusk two. Well, I always say if yeah. you do what makes you happy, because exactly. you can't please everybody mm-hmm. and just have fun with it. Yep. And also, um, there's, um, there's one thing you need to know, Ryan, don't you never say an unkind word about the time me and silent Bob, <laughs> I got a camera number that line. I can't remember the line. Me, me and Silent Bob modeled our whole fucking lives around Morris Day and Jerome. I'm a smooth pimp who loves the pussy. Mm-hmm. And Tubby, here's my black man servant. What? <laughs> and for the record, the time sucked ass. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I, it's, I, I love this movie. Just seeing the trailer, I feel like I'm going to watch it tonight mm-hmm. because, um, yeah, there's just so many moments in it. I. It's it, it is weird that Jason Mewes refers to uh, Jerome as his black man servant. Like, that's so weird. I I mean I you know when they're at the the movie internet thing, he's like, we're gonna shit out the shit that we just had. They're gonna shit out the shit that they just ate, and it's just it's just out of control. And so juvenile. Oh, it can, is. can we all recite together the email? that he writes all you motherfuckers are going to pay i tried to put you, that on twitter but it was too long <laughs> you are the ones who are the ball lickers <laughs> once we get to hollywood and stop those hollywood fucks from making our movie we're going to make them shit out of shit then eat our shit and then make them shit out of shit that we make them eat <laughs> and all you motherfuckers are next love jay and silent bob <laughs> i am a <the laughs> click commander <laughs> And, and when you're done, I want you to look him in the eyes and say, what a lovely tea party. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, you were going to do it. <laughs> Diedrich <Yeah>. Bader. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Good stuff. Yep, wonderful. Good so, yeah, stuff. Number five. That was the right place for this movie. Maybe one higher. Maybe. I don't know. So I know, I know you guys are all mad at uh, Brad, but don't worry. I got this covered with a sweep, okay? My number nine fi- five film is this one. What could it be, though? <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's fucking dark, dude. Jesus <laughs> Christ, Brad. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, what part of that movie that's super dark? <laughs> Got a minute? What are you doing here? Uh, I need a favor. I want to spend some time with you and the children. Are you crazy? Well, wait a minute, damn it. Stop following me. I want my family back. Well, you can't have it. I'm sorry for you, but it's too late. There were three extraordinary children in the Tenenbaum family. Margot Tenenbaum was an acclaimed playwright and won a Pulitzer Prize in the ninth grade. What'd you think, Dad? Mm, Didn't seem believable to me. 
Richie Tenenbaum was a champion tennis player ranked second in the world by age 17. Chaz Tenenbaum was a financial expert and started buying real estate in his early teens. I said, sell it, yeah. Well, I'm on my way. They were brilliant. They were famous. They were unlucky enough to be the children of a man named Royal Tenenbaum. He also stole bonds out of my safety deposit box when I was 14. <laughs> now, for the first time in 22 years, they are all living together under the same roof. I hear you're dying. Oh, how long are you gonna last? A month, a year? I've got six weeks to set things right. <laughs> I want this family to love me. Right, Lisa. You know who I am? I'm your granddad. His name is Royal Tenenbaum. He told us he was already dead. Let's hit it. Yeah! How are you feeling? I'm having a ball, scrapping and yelling. You stay away from my children. Do you understand? My God, I haven't been in here for years. Hey, are you listening to me? Yes, I am. Mixing it up. Are you trying to steal my woman? I beg your pardon. I want you out of my house. Oh, yeah? Right off. Loving every minute with this damn crew. Yeah! What's so funny? It's these little expressions of yours. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> How interesting. How bizarre. Thirty years ago, I was knifed in a bazaar in Calcutta. He carried me to the hospital on his back. Who stabbed you? He did. Uh, my number five is a fuck you to Brad. Yeah, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> the, the Royal Tenenbaums. Um, it's my first movie of Wes Anderson's I ever saw. And when with the thing I love about Wes Anderson films is you get sucked into the world really quickly because the way he composes shots, the dialogue, the music, um, I, I I adore this movie. And it's also one of the first Criterions I ever owned. Um, I always remember because it, it had the slip case that was pink and it the, it looked like a book. It only came out on Criterion. Yeah. yeah. Oh, did it really? Oh. Yeah, that was like one of the first like big gets, you know, like mm. where they started. They did this for a small while, I think, Benjamin Button was one of the last big ones to do it. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting. It's a great movie about a dad who's trying to reconnect with his family after years of treating him poorly. And what I love about Wes Anderson films is you expect to see, you expect them to be one way. And then as you watch, there's so many layers to them. And I think this is maybe his most dramatic film. Um, Grand Budapest Hotel. Possibly, it's not as dramatic. I think Grand Budapest Hotel has a little more goofiness to it. Yeah, I agree. But it does. Um, but it ends darkly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, I I mentioned during the trailer. I think Owen Wilson is the MVP of this movie. Mm. I think he's so good. He just wants to be a tenable. Um, and I, I, his name's Cash, right? And mm. like Eli Cash. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been a minute since I've seen it, but every time I watch it, I get sucked in. And it's one of those movies that as I every once in a while as I peruse my collection, I don't know what to watch. I'll pull it out because I really enjoy it. And yeah, it's just it's a really great film. All right, Henry, number four. All right, my number four. Um, If uh, someone asked me, hey, Henry, do you recommend your number four to me to watch? I'd say no. 
If someone said, Henry, what's your number four film? I'd say, I don't think I really know. Anyway, here's my number four film. I can't believe it. I'm just so excited to be here. I'm in this dream place. This one comes highly recommended. What are you doing? Get out of the car. Yeah. The girl is still missing. What's wrong? I don't know who I am. I wonder where you were going. Hold drive. Come on, it'll be just like in the movies. We'll pretend to be someone else. My number four film is Mulholland Drive. I don't really know what Mulholland Drive is about. I've seen it like three times, and I once found a map online of how, that explains what the film is, and I think I understand it, but deep down I think I also know that I don't. Uh, however, it is my favorite David Lynch film. I've watched other David Lynch films, and I'm like, I don't know what that is, and I also didn't enjoy myself. Whereas in this film, I watch it, at least, it, at least it's kind of exciting and kind of fun to be in the space of Mulholland Drive. That's why I like this movie. I recommend it to everyone who wants to get into David Lynch, uh, because it's the most accessible film while also still being a David Lynch film at, the, at its core. And, uh, yeah. So, do I recommend it? No! But it is my number four film. And so, that's yeah. A good, that's a good point, because I wouldn't recommend you have them start with Inland Empire, that's for sure. <laughs> so. Yeah, definitely don't start with Inland Empire. And definitely don't start with a straight story, and because neither of those films are David Lynch films. You know what? Elephant Man. Elephant Man yeah, you can start you know off with. That's a good one. That You can start there if you want. Yeah. So it's funny you say that, Henry, because I put out a tweet uh, throughout our film explosion seasons, um, and I, I, I said in it, maybe you can explain Mulholland Drive to me and why it's your favorite film of 2001, uh -huh. and we got a reply. Oh. Um, this gentleman. Uh, that's Kev. Kev Moore from Film Guff. At Wonder, Dan, 1984, um, says... A film about what happens to those seeking fame in Hollywood and end up not achieving it, leading them to do some horrific things and make bad choices they may not have crossed their mind if they had chosen another path in life. How does that explain, like, the shriveled body in the window? I, I don't know. The but... shriveled body in the window represents their fallen dreams that, are, that, are, that they can see in the window, but they can't access. I don't know. I'm just making that up. But that's how every how all art works. You can just make whatever you want up, and it and it fits. And so, maybe it's supposed to any. be like old age, like people, you know, that's like the enemy of the actor, right? Old age. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, David I mean, Lynch thinks old people are gross, and so he put that image in it. And so, at Wonder Dan, nineteen eighty four, I think explains it pretty well, and I can see his point of view. Yeah, um, I might get this on four K. Uh, the, my problem with David Lynch movies on Blu-ray is he purposely makes them with no chapters, so you have to yeah. watch them straight, and, and it's really pretentious and annoying. 
Um, by the way, yeah, I didn't mean to. I thought I thought I thought that was a reply from him. So, but yeah, no, he he gave us a list. Yeah, so. no worries. Uh, uh, but yeah, no. Um, good for you, Henry, on getting on the list. I haven't watched it in a long time. I should go back to Lynch at some point. Maybe I will when I end up revisiting Twin Peaks in its entirety. Listen, it's not a Henry Jarvis list if someone doesn't roll their eyes as I go through it. And so, <laughs> just like it's just like it's not a Zach Eastman list if you don't mention Monkey Bone and roll your eyes and go, really? All right, I guess. yeah, it's your list, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's my uh, number four. Corinne, four. Mine is a repeat. My number four is The Princess Diaries, and uh, you know, ultimately, I was just thinking now. This movie's kind of like a buddy comedy. Um, you yeah, because Heather Mazaruda. Mia and, uh, you know, Julia Andrews' character, the Queen. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Anyway. Queen Julia Andrews. <laughs> basically. I mean, she is a, quite the Queen. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, just kind of like these two characters, and they're both trying to understand each other's world. And obviously the movie spends a lot more time on Mia and like her transformation into becoming a princess. Oh, you were and doing the grandmother. I thought you were also going to, I thought you were mentioning her best friend in the movie, Lily. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, to some degree, but you know, it really is, you know, as a woman, I really appreciate movies about women and grandmothers mm-hmm. um, because I feel like that's a dynamic you don't really see a lot in movies. And especially like that being the core relationship, the one that kind of drives the plot and drives like a lot of the character development and this and the animated Anastasia are the only two that I can think of off the top of my head that fall into that category. Yeah. And if you listeners can think of others, please let me know, because uh, I'd love to check them out S- if I haven't already. Send your geezer exploitation grandma pictures to uh, sure. to Corinne. Oh, yeah, there's one called The Visit you should see. <laughs> you won't watch it. Is that? It's the horror that's, movie. I was going to say that's the M. Night Shyamalan movie, right? Yeah, but it deals with grandparents. And the relationship with their children. True, but it's a horror movie, so I'm not going to see it. It's probably his best movie he's made in a long time. Okay. It's kind of terrifying. I mean, I heard, well, that was the one that was like marketed. It wasn't marketed like with his name, right? People didn't know it was yeah, a Shyamalan no, the, movie. Yeah, that was the one right after. Uh, Last Airbender. Last Airbender, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then people says, oh, he can make movies still. Because it kind of stripped away his pretentiousness. Right. right. But yeah, if you want to see, you should see it. It's good. Okay. Um, anyway, so oh, Princess, sorry. what? Oh, there's a 2015 film called Grandma. If you want, that has Lily Tomlin and Julia Gardner in it. That I would, I honestly think mm. you would really like a lot. As yeah. such a quick recommendation. Wait, is that a horror movie too? No, 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 no. No, it's that's a, a serious. That's like a dramedy from ah. like yeah. Sundance. Oh, that I think okay. you'd like. Good to know. It's Lily Tomlin. You got to go with Lily Tomlin. Okay, but yeah. Anyway, this is just you know a movie about these two women and their their impact on each other. And obviously, the movie spends a lot more time with. Mia's transformation into becoming a princess and how that, you know, the whole makeover thing, yes, it's trite, and yes, it's just like, ugh, it's so poorly executed and everything, but the ultimate transformation that she goes through is about, you know, having confidence in herself, mm-hmm. and that's like the scene where she re- reads the diary entry that her dad wrote for her, um, you know, that's really impactful, and then, you know, you also have this um, transform- uh, this arc that Julie Andrews' character goes through, Clarice that's right that's her name of course I only think of it now um but Clarice goes through this arc where she's learning how to be a grandma and you know she's a queen and she's a great queen but she doesn't really know how to have that interaction because she's never been in that relationship before you know she didn't have any other grandkids and she's been away from you know Mia and out of her life for so long that she's like oh yeah like I kind of forgot what it means to just be a family member and have this 
you know, just chill dynamic instead of being on all the time, like as a queen. She was practically perfect in every way until one day she wasn't. She was a grandma. This fall. (laughs) (laughs) Disney presents its darkest thriller yet. I mean, I watched this movie a lot as a kid. It was on Disney Channel, I think, all the time. And I, you know, got to see like some of the behind scenes stuff that came out on the Disney Channel and, you know, because that's... They were doing all that cross-promotional shit at the time. When Disney Channel didn't have commercials, was that it? Because I'm old enough to know when it was a premium cable channel. I don't remember. Uh, yeah. Brad anyway. and I are old enough to know. Yeah. Yeah, they did like the movie surfers and things like that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, just means a lot to me. And it's just a, you know, fun little family romp. So. Yeah. Number four, The Princess Diaries. Brad, number four. All right, my number four is going to upset some people. Um, yeah. Sayonara no toki no shizuka no mune zero ni naru kara nagamimi osumaseru ikite iru hoshi shinde yoku hoshi ni hana mo kaze mo machi mo mi. Yeah, number, my number three is Spirited Away. So mean, Brad. Are we on three already? Damn. Yeah. I guess we had enough repeats. Well, no, because it skips probably Zach and me because mine, all mine oh, now Oh, no, that repeats. was my four. You're yeah. right, yeah, because the next one's repeats. All mine are repeats. Sorry, my number four is Spirited Away. And, uh, yeah, it's a Studio uh, Ghibli, Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, masterpiece. Masterpiece. It's beautiful. Um, it's about a spoiled little brat girl who gets whisked away into a spirit world where they kind of transform her into a better child, I guess. Well, um, to be fair, that her parents are more um, gluttonous than her. Well, I mean, yeah, they just, I don't know. It's very mystical. You, you could say they're complete and utter pigs. Yeah. So, yeah, I watched it a bunch uh, in the theater when it came out and haven't seen it in a long time. So you got to get back on that. Why is Corinne getting angry at me? They did turn into pigs, and that's what her goal is. She has to turn them back. No, she's a low hanging fruit, Zach. Okay. But I love you, how confident you are, though, with Zach. So. <laughs> you did. You it was did. a Zach joke. Yeah. That's yeah. Why I'm oh, mad. so when you do a Zach joke. <laughs> yeah, because I did it, so oh, it's okay. Gotcha. gotcha. It's all subjective. <laughs> just the iron. Any on other face. thoughts, Brad? No, I, I just like I show one anime trailer and Ryan's already checked out of the podcast. <laughs> it's got, I, I it's like, only like one of the best anime movies ever. It's one of the most sure. beautifully animated movies, period. So. That's so a, good. It's all right. My always problem with anime is they always try to be really weird. And yeah, it is weird. <laughs> what no, do you mean? it's not. Yes, Maybe it's, it's weird to us because we just don't understand that culture. No, it's just they they make weird choices in it and that's fine you can like it if you want i don't like them you should show it to kellen i bet he'd like it and he already hates it it's okay i think i have one more <laughs> chance to get him 
So stay tuned. Okay. <laughs> Zach. All right. What's your number four? My number four is repeat. It's the Royal Tenenbaums. Um, yeah, uh, I this was not my first Wes Anderson film, but this is one that I went back to a lot. Um, How many you make for us? Bottle Rocket and what? Uh, Bottle Rocket and Rushmore. Rushmore. Yeah, so Ru- two, right? yeah, I okay. will say that Rushmore is the one I watched the least. For whatever reason, I'm not a big as big a fan of Rushmore as everybody else. It's okay. Um, I like Bottle Rocket more. Yeah, I think um, Bottle Rocket's great. Um, but um, another but, Owen Wilson superstar. Now that being said, though, my top two are Grand Budapest Hotel and Darjeeling Limited. Hands down. Is this a, re- a review of all years of Russ Anderson or just 2001? Yeah, 2001, <laughs> though, Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, the the idea of this like dysfunctional and borderline incestuous family roaming around and like coming to terms with their derelict father is is very heartwarming in the in the in spite of the uh, the bleak atmosphere that comes from Wes Anderson's dark comic tones and um this in a weird way somebody made this allusion to me I don't know if it was Matty O'Connor or Bueno or somebody, but somebody in the group when we were in film school said that this was basically Arrested Development before Arrested Development was a TV show. The idea of all of these like yeah. incompetent rich people in a family roaming around and the just the difference is is that obviously Hurwitz is doing a you know handheld handheld TV show and this is a piece of art um, that it, that not to denigrate the either two but. This one is done with meticulous, elaborate detail in a way that is uh, f- practically flawless. Um, I think Rich, Richie's Richie's whole uh, byline throughout the entire movie, that scene that Brad showed through at the sweepers is one of the darkest scenes in a Wes Anderson movie, hands down. Um, although yeah, I'd argue... Sweepers are supposed to be fun, Brad. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, and I, I do love uh, the... The, the wide range of the cast, everybody gets a moment to shine. Like there's not one person that's really wasted in the movie. Uh, Angelica Houston, even who is kind of like in a position to kind of get the nothing role gets, gets some form of characterization with getting her relationship with Danny Glover and coming to terms with her husband. Like, and she just shows why she's always been a consummate actress. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a lovely film. Um, I love, I love the ending of the movie when they're walking away from his from Royal's grave and they're playing everyone. He like fucking it, dies. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alerts for a twenty year old movie, guys. <gasps> I mean, didn't I'm, know that. Hey, when I move, it's, okay. it's okay. Corinne does it twenty minutes after stuff comes out, so you're good. Yeah, I, I think I'm. <laughs> I think I'm. I think I did. I did. I wait long enough, Ryan. <laughs> you did. <laughs> um, but that there's that image, you know, like of them just walking away slowly, and you're hearing Van Morrison's "Everyone, Everyone." Like it's that encapsulates Wes Anderson's vibe for me, in, in, in a lot of ways, and also the montage of him playing with his grandchildren, where uh, where you have Paul Simon's "Me and Julio" down by the schoolyard playing. He's really good at matching moments with eclectic music that I and and, and iconic music that I think is just so, solely his own. And also, let's not forget, Owen Wilson co-wrote this with him. Like, Owen Wilson, before before anything else, he was a screenwriter with uh, Wes Anderson. So, you know, like, it's a, it's a testament to his writing ability as well. So, so yeah, Royal Tenenbaums. You should watch it. It's, like, really fucking cool and whatnot. Uh, my number four is a repeat. All my movies now are a repeat, so all you motherfuckers are going to pay. 
you are the ball lickers. No, uh, my number four is Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. So uh, Zach and I just flipped where our movies lined up, and yeah. I mean, honestly, it could be four or five. Um, yeah, we we could switch either way. Yeah. I think I think we were in sync somewhat, somewhat, just, just, just a little two, off. Two passing ships in the night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I like we've been talking. I love this movie. I will always adore it. It's instantly quotable. Um, taste it. Taste the book of flavor. <laughs> in, in fact, I oh, I still to this day, anytime I do something stupid, I say just like Winnie the Pooh. Mm. Um, I mean, it doesn't fit in the context because Jay's saying it because he can't fit through like a hole. But Suck it in. <laughs> but I, I, I always equate it to being stupid and doing something stupid. Mm. Um, our guests have whimsy when you do something and not knowing the consequences like Winnie the Pooh. Mm. Um <laughs> So yeah, so I, I love James on that Bob Strike Back and <laughs> Yep. The I I think this might be my favorite moment where Silent Bob speaks in a movie where he's like, The sign on the back of the car says critters of Hollywood, you dumb fuck. No, I mean I'd only push back. I think Bob's greatest moment is in chasing Amy. Oh yeah, well yeah, he gets the monologue, obviously. Yeah. I just I love that like all the rage and having to live with Jason <laughs> with Jay in that moment leads to that one just shouting at him in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> uh, yep. Good choice, my brother. Yeah, I know. Henry, number three. Uh my number three is Roll of Ten of Bombs. Uh I, I on the flip side of y'all. Uh Roll of Ten of Bombs was like my last uh, Anderson film. Oh wow! Uh, like I got into him like with Moonrise Kingdom when I was in middle school, high school, uh, and then kind of explored him. And then Royal Tenenbaums was one of those films that was so famous that I'd seen clips of it throughout my life. And so I was like, I've seen that movie. I'll see all the all the other ones that no one's seen first. And then I recently, like recently, four three years ago, uh, rewatched Royal Tenenbaums, and man, it's very good. Um, and uh, it's. One thing I give it a lot of credit for as well is that it's the it's the last of Anderson's filmography that is still a little bit toned down. Because, like, starting, like, after this, everything's, like, a set piece and everything is, mm-hmm. every single shot is a Wes Anderson shot. Whereas this one, uh, Bottle Rocket and Rushmore, are still very indie. And it's, like, he's he's finding his own footing in the world as opposed to the world finding a footing with him. Yeah. Uh, and I think I like that a lot about this film a lot. Well so, but anyway, that's my number th- three. As I say, I think because this one was such a commercial success, like he was yeah. able to get the uh, clearance to start doing his really meticulous stuff. Yeah. It, it's kind of amazing that Life Aquatic technically was a bomb when it came out. Like not a bomb, but like like it was it was ill received compared to Tenenbaums because Tenenbaums was nominated for an Oscar for screenwriting and. Life Aquatic has had a way bigger shelf life. Uh, well, I think it's too. Uh, Life Aquatic, Bill Murray's the main character, and he's kind of hard to get on board oh, with. He's terrible. <laughs> he's a you horrible know, person. Or even Gene Hackman in Ten of Bombs is kind of an ass at the beginning, but you kind of warm up to him. Mm-hmm. Bill Murray's character, you never really do. You know what you do? You warm up to Willem Dafoe because you can yeah, warm up to Willem Dafoe. Or Kate Blanchett. She's amazing. Or yeah. Owen Wilson in the movie, too. I, yeah, yeah. All good. Until. Uh, cool. Corinne, number three. Uh, my number three is a repeat. My number three is Legally Blonde. Yeah. Right on. Right you on. should revisit it, Zach. It's a great movie. I will. I will. I talked about this on the podcast like a couple months ago, so I won't be too long. But yeah, it's just a really well-written movie, well-acted. And, uh, you know, it's one of those that has a lot of rewatch value. And you get to see, you know, the the journey that Elle goes on and how she realizes, like, you know, she doesn't have to, um, 
necessarily like you know even be in a relationship like it's not worth her time to pursue this guy and she really sees just like how much of a dick he is and how much of a better person she is than he you know in some respects i guess just you know he's not worth her time i do always like films that make it so women don't need men you know Right, I mean, like she's still in a relationship with Emmett. But, yeah, no, that's fine. But I mean, you but know, it's all in her terms. You yeah, know? it's not that he's somebody they need who him. lifts her up and allows her to be her own person, rather than you know, if she'd stayed with Warren, he would have just put her in like, oh, you're the, you're the Marilyn, and you're just my side piece or whatever bullshit. But um, yeah, it's a great movie and uh, like one of the most feminist movies I've ever seen. And I just love the fact that Elle doesn't really have to change who she is when she goes to law school. Mm-hmm. Everybody else just kind of deals with it. I, I find it w- wonderful that the film has found that, that reevaluation. Cause I, I, I wouldn't have seen it. Like I, I'm glad that people, it's one of the things I love about film is somebody else can find a movie and give an extrapolation on why it has a broader, a broader and greater theme to latch into and why it should be lifted up in the, uh, in the grand scheme of things retroactively. And I, I'm not blonde, so I can't speak to, but there, you know, there were the whole dumb blonde jokes that were very popular when I was a kid. You want to hear a great one? No. Okay, here we go. So these two blondes are walking in the forest and there's a, it's okay. Ryan's blonde. He can do yeah, this too. Totally. So there's two blondes walking in the forest and they see a set of tracks and one says that's deer tracks. The other one says, no, that's bear tracks. And they argue back and forth and they're hit by a train <laughs> train tracks. <laughs> Completely derailed me, Ryan. Just like train tracks. But anyway, the whole idea of like, oh, you're blonde and hot, so therefore (laughs) you can't be smart. You can't go to law school. Like, I just hate that that's like a stereotype that this movie has to like put down. Yeah. It's like we shouldn't have even been there in the first place. But, you know, I'm glad that the movie just goes out of its way to just kick that like whole misconception in the ass. It's kind of the amazing thing. A movie can perpetrate a stereotype, but it also has the power to break a stereotype and smash it into pieces. Right. Yep. And I think that that's what the movie does. Agreed. And I love the reveal of the law professor at the nail salon at the end. <laughs> bend and snap. I do remember bend and snap from that movie. The, um, yes, the technique I, Jennifer I Coolidge uses. Yeah. That, that that's, was probably, mom? that's probably the worst scene in that movie. <laughs> I, we just remember it because it was just like... It I, is. I it's my, very... My, my mother hollered at that scene. So I feel like if any scene was made for a musical adaptation, that was the scene. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, my number three, Legally Blonde. Brad, three. Uh, my number three is another weird anime. Love it. But it has monsters and stuff. Sweet. When darkness falls and all is quiet and peaceful and you are most asleep. The undead awake. Late at night, the undead prowl and search for blood. No one is safe. There is no way out. There is only one hope. One man who rides alone. He is both good and evil, darkness and light. He is the vampire hunter. 
of hidden dangers. In a time of great unrest, one imperfect man battles the darkness alone. A place of beauty. A time of evil. A lonely girl. A sweet seduction. Outside, outcast. He is her only hope. He has their power. He knows their secret. He seeks an answer. He must keep moving. He is the only hope for survival. My number three is Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust. Uh, the animation's amazing. Uh, the, the story is uh, D is a vampire hunter um, who wanders the. Uh, I don't know if it's even. I think it's actually a different planet, but um, mm. he comes across. There's like a town where the, I think the mayor's daughter is run off, or they think a vampire has kidnapped her when she's actually just run off with him. Um, and so D gets hired to bring her home, track him down and bring her home. But he's also been hired among a bunch of other people, like, a other bounty hunters. And so collectively they all kind of like track them down and a bunch of stuff is revealed along the way. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's great. There's a running theme of like a lot of my high stuff is stuff. I saw at the, uh, the Mayan that year. Mm. Um, and yeah, the spirited away this, and then something later, um, yeah, it's good memories. Yeah, no, uh, cool stuff. Ryan, fun fact is I do like anime where it deals like with supernatural and um, monsters and stuff because I love that they can they push the boundaries uh, what animation can do, not only in story wise but I think in animation because just watching that trailer, you know, I, I forgot the, even the cathedral where he's turning in like the bat wings and biting the neck. I mean, just the detail in it is just astounding. Um, so I'm always on board with like goofy stuff like that because one, it's violent as fuck yeah, and it's kind of a superhero movie and, uh, and there's monsters. So I'm usually on board with that stuff. There's some great monster designs. Oh, like, yeah. and there's like some really creepy deaths and things like there's the one brother in the way that the bounty hunter gang like is strapped to a bed and he has to be injected with a serum so he can project himself and like mm. use his powers. Um, and it kills him a little bit each time he does it. So Yeah. Um, the art style is gorgeous. Uh, Jerry actually introduced this to me maybe like a year ago, and he showed me the scene where D comes up on this like mirror shield, and it's like really trippy to watch. But yeah, the just the all the hand drawn animation is just gorgeous. I think the original stuff is like based on Yoshitaka Amano, but I think the studio Madhouse is the ones that like adapted it for this. Mm. So. Because the original movie from like the 80s isn't animated like this. It's different. So, 
yeah it's pretty cool it's one i, I it's in my halloween playlist like every year mm. So, Ryan, you said you like anime about supernatural stuff, but then Spirited Away is about, like, ghosts. Yeah, but it's, like, kitty bullshit. Cute ghosts. <laughs> I don't know. I want to see blood and guts <laughs> and and naked women and uh, Vampire Hunter D delivers on all that. So, basically, you just want to re- watch rated R anime. No, I just I, I really just <laughs> like to see how much you roll your eyes. I do this to my wife all the time. <laughs> I can get like a rise out of people for just saying the stupidest shit and by saying that. Is it only women or is it people in general? Oh, people in general. It's oh, okay. So I I want to I want to get a poster. My stupidity spirit. knows no limits, Corinne. It's just you're just so animated when I say stuff like that. It makes me laugh like inside. Have you even seen Spirited Away? I have Ryan? seen Spirited Away. Oh, really? I have. Don't you remember the part where Haku gets basically like torn up from the inside? I know. So bloody. Yeah. Yeah, but where are oh. the tits? Thank you, Henry. <laughs> um, I mean, is there is there a part where like a dude takes a knife to the head and blood just gushes out? That's what I want. I mean, the radish spirit off. is. Oh my god. <laughs> I want a poster now of Spirited Away that says it's kitty bullshit, Ryan Frost. <laughs> no, I, th- I think, uh, I mean, the films are beautiful. I just, there's not my thing. Anyway. I mean, I like, uh, you know, when there's a pig who's a pilot. I think that's a fun movie. Also, yeah. But are there tits in it? No, it doesn't have to be. If you got a pig flying a plane, you don't need tits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, so when it's and it's Michael away, Keaton. When it's spirited away, there needs to be tits in it. But when it's Porco Rosso, no, it's good. No, like he I said. He wants but, a Porco Rosso cinematic universe. Is that yeah. too much? No, it's it's more so just seeing how exasperated you get. You're like, oh, my God. You don't even. You, this isn't even your top ten. I can't believe it. And you roll your eyes. It's just so easy. It's so easy. I so what? You want me to be apathetic and not care about anything? No, I, I want you to care about it. That's why I pick on you for he's, it. He's pushing. So he's pushing your buttons, but he cares about you as we all care about you, my friend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It comes anyway. from a, it comes from a place of love. I used to tell my wife, if I stopped teasing you, then I'd be really worried. Exactly. Watch this, for example. Hey, Ryan, Cary Grant sucks. I'll just fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we all will, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would kill me Henry's too. Henry's gonna fly in from New York Look, just for the occasion. I'm not gonna lie. Fuck me, right? For saying yeah, that out loud. Totally. <laughs> it's not true. I don't believe it. Zach, number three. My number three is a black and white noir film from two brothers who have never made a bad movie. Sooner or later, everyone needs a haircut. For the kids, there's the Butch or the Heine, the Flat Top, the Ivy, the Junior Contour, and occasionally the Executive Contour. Me, I don't talk much. I just cut the hair. Say he was being blackmailed. By who? You don't know. For having an affair. With who? You don't know. Did anyone else know about it? Probably not. You don't know. You want to test something, you know, scientifically. How the planets go around the sun, why the water comes out of the tap. You got to look at it. But sometimes you look at it. Your looking changes it. Life has dealt me some bum cards. Or maybe I just haven't played them right. I don't know. Life is just so damn wonderful, you almost won't believe it. They put their pants on one leg at a time, just like you and me. You keep your mouth shut. I'm an attorney. You're a barber. You don't know anything. I'm not proud of what I did. But you, what kind of man are you? Science, perception, reality, doubt, reasonable doubt. 
I'm saying is sometimes the more you look, the less you really know. So yeah, my number three is the man who wasn't there. Um, this is actually the film, and that I'm not going to be here while he talks about it. Wow. Yeah. Ryan Frost Ryan is the man who wasn't the there for my review of the man who wasn't there. Um, yeah. No. Um, actually, uh, Henry, between you and I, we both tackled the Can Best Directors because uh, Joel and uh, David shared this uh, prize at Can. Oh. Um, yeah, they shared it. It was a tie, and. Um, <clears throat> This is not a... Fucking co- French, not commit to anything. <laughs> <laughs> and of course they gave it to their most boring fucking movie. So. so here's the thing. This is a movie I don't go back to as much as other Coen Brothers films. However, this movie does a lot of things that I love in the realm of noir. And the big one in particular is painting a better picture of like how their themes have always done this in a noir fashion, but just now putting it on its face. They are flat out making a black and white noir film set in the 40s. It's a simple story of a barber who who's think, suspects his wife is cheating on him and is looking to... <laughs> this, is, this is where I get tripped up on it. James Gandolfini's character is fooling around with Francis McDormand... Billy Bob Thornton finds out. He tries to extort money out of him. Then he finds out that he extorted the money from him. And then he, uh, in the process of fending off James Gandolfini, kills him. And the whole movie becomes a series of him trying to elude capture to the point of his wife getting framed for the job, him falling in love with a 16-year-old girl, and then eventually getting sent to the electric chair. 16-year-old girl, by the way, is played by a young Scarlett Johansson. Um, before she was in a Marvel Universe movie, so um, it's um, it's it's it has all the makings of a wonderful seedy crime drama or a crime noir from that era that just work wonderfully. This is Deacon's most probably most beautiful movie he's ever shot with the Coens, hands down from a from a grand technical scheme. Like it's just it's in, impeccable looking. Um, it's a movie that I still don't like go back to the most because it's just it's it's a bit of a slow burn. And when I like Coen's, I usually like them to be giving me a lot of giggles. And this movie is lacking in that department. So, but it's a movie that I recommend people watch. It's got a very good stack cast. Billy Bob is great in it. James Gandolfini is wonderful in it. Tony Shalhoub is fantastic. It just, I, I'll never not recommend one of their films. And to me, this is the one where like, rightfully so a lot more people with going for an artistic realm would recommend this picture. I, would highly agree with that but again you know i get it it's not for everybody so yeah and uh also r.i.p ethan cohen's career i guess i don't know let me just come on man. he's just going to do theater work he just, right he just, no, he, he, we cinema needs him to be with joel well but he doesn't want to be with cinema then that's got to be a mutual that, that's fine i guess i will under he has given me so much love and entertainment over the years yeah, i will maybe let he's it going go out on a high yeah, you know what, Ballad you of Buster's... You he's th- never made a bad movie. What th- if he yeah. stayed in it and he did? That's true. That's right. Ballad of Buster Scruggs was a perfect movie from 2018. Thank you for saying that out loud, Corinne. <laughs> I didn't say and anything There's really the no better time to get into the theater industry than right now. <laughs> I know. And that's so the like... weird part. Uh, my number three is a repeat. It is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. 
um, when this movie came out, I remember my friend Brandon and I were at uh, the Denver West United Artists, and we just talked about how stupid this movie would be, and we would never see it. And You're like, that was kitty bullshit. <laughs> yeah, basically. And then uh, the next... What do you have against kids movies, Ryan? What do you uh, have nothing. against kids? you have something against kids? Uh, nothing. So I... Um, well, it's higher on my list than it is on yours, so I always say love it more. Um, let me finish my story, Corinne. <laughs> they, so the next day, uh, after Brandon... Uh, and I weren't hanging out. I snuck back to the theater and watched Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> and uh, and I was in trance. And I, I then I bought the books. Um, I think when that came out, the first four were out, the books. Sounds if I can remember right. right. Yeah. And I read them really fast. I started going to the midnight showings of these. Um, when I met my wife, uh, we went to the midnight showings and dressed up. And then when um, the Deathly Hollows came out on in book, I was at Barnes and Noble uh, picking it up, and uh, yeah, I, be- Nerd. <laughs> I became a Harry Potter fan, and I, I still to this day really enjoy the films. I um, I get transformed right away back into that world, and um, Kellen has seen this one. Um, I mean, I'll show him the other ones. I, I think he's about to probably start watching. It was a, just like the children, the films age and maturity as well. I, I don't think he's ready for the heavy ones quite yet, but he oh, might. I think Deathly Hallows part two is just the right time. right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's seen predator or whatever. Yeah, right? that is true. He's yeah. seen predator, but I mean, it's, it's different. I mean, predators like big macho dude to get killed. If you go through, um, years of harry potter and you start liking people i don't know how he's going to react to when people he likes dies yeah when gary oldman is killed on screen in part five it's more it's more detrimental than arnold taking out the predator <laughs> yeah it's it just uh i mean so yeah i just created something that i i love to this day mm-hmm. and um, who'd you cosplay as at the midnights uh yeah. no and i just wore a uh graduation gown so and I, I had a gryffindor scarf that i still have oh and when we went on our honeymoon my wife and i we went to uh universal studios in florida and i got a gryffindor quidditch jersey that is uh they they're really nice it's really expensive but it's uh like a rugby jersey, but it's uh, Gryffindor Quidditch. Oh. I mean, my wife's a Slytherin, so we do have some problems in our marriage. But wait, wait which one are you? Gryffindor. You are a Gryffindor. Yeah, I remember uh, they had the Sorting Hat website <laughs> you could go to, and you answered questions. And yeah, I belong to I belong yeah. to Scholastic House, the one that makes all the money from these books. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they put me in Gryffindor. So. Yeah, I also did the Pottermore quiz that was like, what is your Patronus? Mm-hmm. And I was some kind of a bird. Nice. Yeah, no, and it's, it creates a world that, I, I mean, I adore. And um, yeah, I, I've written and said some controversial things about it. I still think Dumbledore is one of the biggest villains ever um, because I think him not sharing information with Harry was detrimental to not only him, but the school. Yeah. And I can agree with that. And he was selfish in those reasons. Um but it's also really cool to see, go back and watch it, and you're right, see where the actors came to. And, yeah. I also appreciate the fact that, you know, the Alan Rickman, who plays Snape, knew, oh, yeah. like, the whole backstory beforehand. It's a great it's, so, it's, I read the art, uh, interview with um, J.K. Rowling where she mm-hmm. talks about that. Because he asked her, yeah. uh, on what movie, was it the second or third one? Uh, I forget. But he just asked her, he said, what's the end game with Snape? And she told him. It might have been the first one. It might have been, you're right. The scene where you know Harry walks into the Great Hall and mm-hmm. Snape sees him for the first time, he gives him a look. Yeah. And the, just like the way he looks at him, it, 
it feels meaningful and maybe yeah. that's just how i'm seeing it but no i agree i mean i think that somebody said in an interview that you know the director said like okay i want you to do this and because alan rickman knew what the end game was with snape he said no i have to do it a different way mm-hmm. look and i can't tell you she said she'd break my fucking thumbs if i told <laughs> and it's it, it, when you watch those films or anything with alan rickman you go oh he died too soon yeah i did because he's such a great actor anyways ah, that's my number three henry number two uh, my number two is spirited away uh fun fact in the beginning of that movie her parents turn into pigs and that's really scary so that's why I like that movie. Hey, Henry. Do they fly airplanes? That'd be awesome. I know. I awesome, wish. Actually. It's yeah, my number two as well. Oh, Tag my team. God. We're two peas in a pod. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to do a virtual high five. Yeah, long distance <laughs> high five. We call those zoomies. Just go ahead and hit the computer and knock it off the table. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Henry, yeah. why do you like Spirited Away? I just said, because her parents turn into pigs. And that's that's the only reason? <laughs> I mean, growing up, yeah. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> uh, it's not my favorite Miyazaki movie, really. Uh, but what it is, is your I favorite? Mean, it's hard to, you know... Ponyo. Okay. Uh, it's hard to, li- to like this movie and not rank it as high as you do. You know, like, it's just a kind of a flawless anime film at its, at its core. And so, I don't know. I like it a lot, but... We've talked about it a lot, and so, you know. Hmm. Yeah, this is probably my third or fourth favorite of his, but, I mean, it's probably the second or first best one that he's ever made. Well, how many films has he made? Eleven. So it's my eleventh favorite. <laughs> you can't say that until you've seen The Castle of Cagliostro. Come back when you've watched it, Ryan. Squeezy. Yeah, Brian. Get up get out of this <laughs> podcast and don't come back until you've done it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um but It'd be yeah, weird I, if I, that was the one thing that got Ryan to leave the show. That would be awesome actually. <laughs> uh no, so I rewatched this last night and it's just such a well executed film that's ultimately about fear and courage. And you know, I think, and maybe I'm reading into this too much, but I think the fact that, you know, fear isn't always a bad thing is kind of portrayed in the film, mm-hmm. especially initially with the sequence where, um, you know, Chihiro and her family are going into the abandoned amusement park and Chihiro keeps saying like, no, 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 we should go back. Like, no, don't eat the food. And ultimately her fear saves her from being turned into a pig like her parents are. And then, yeah. Um, but it, on the other hand, like she has to learn to confront the unknowns that are ahead of her in her life on a grander scheme. And she learns that by, you know, going into the spirit world, working at the bathhouse and just having to confront all these crazy situations. So yeah, it's almost like, yeah, when she goes back to her normal life and the new school and the new town is like, this is nothing. Like I worked in a bathhouse with spirits. I had to help, you know, well not defeat a river God, but you know, save a river God from all the crap. And, Mm -hmm. I had to go to some witch's house in the middle of nowhere and ride on a spooky train. She's got it. Um, and I do kind of like how they frame it a little bit at the end where you're like, wait, was this all like just kind of like a dream or um, was it was it real? And they get back to the car and you see like the leaves are on the ground and it's like clear that time has passed. And then you also see the shot of Chihiro's uh, hairband. So you're like, okay. I guess it was real. So it's just a 
very well made movie and everybody should check it out ryan i have seen it yeah but kellen hasn't you need to show him he would love porco rosso i bet yeah well, well, the day he's li- when he's on Disney Plus, is like, yeah, I really want to watch those, and I'll show them to him. Take a week and watch all the Miyazaki films with him. Yeah. Except for maybe not Princess Mononoke. That's a little too violent. Oh, he loves violence. Kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my number two, Spirited Away. And Henry's number two. Brad, number two. <laughs> yep, my number two is Fart Noise, the movie, directed by Ryan Frost. <laughs> Sorry, I, don't, I, I don't. I don't think that deserved the Oscar for best screenplay. Now mm. that I'm thinking about it, but I'm going to remake it as a art film called Raspberry. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I the love that idea. Fart two, <laughs> Granny. <laughs> ew. Uh, no, my number two God. is um, a fun movie. Somewhere in the Far East, a deadly crime ring is about to trigger an international crisis. But they didn't plan on this. I wish they all could be California I don't like my chickens live, okay? I like them dead, deep fried. You ever heard of Popeyes? I want to show him a good time, Hong Kong style. You get a massage from Chinese girl before? Oh, I got that out. Oh, let me get her. Her in the black, her in the pink. Hey, baby. Hurry up. What's wrong with you? You don't jump in front of a black man in a buffet line? Lee. What? Now I'm on vacation. I don't know him. I'm sorry, man. All y'all look alike. There's two billion Chinese people here. Let one of them be your partner. No. Lee. Don't worry. Chinese bamboo. It's very strong. The vacation may be over. I'm finna give you a LAPD But the fun. I'm an undercover agent. Show us a badge or something. Show it again. Is just beginning. What the hell are we doing in Vegas? We got the Mac out, man. We can't go in there like this. What does it mean, Mac out? Nothing touches this body but pure silk. Absolutely. Would your partner like to be wrapped in silk as well? Because personally, I really enjoy it when couples dress alike. I'm gonna go make a big commotion, then you make your move, you got it? This one is for Mandela! This summer, have fun. Get ready. You want some of this? Egyptian style, girl. Come on! For a second rush. Mmm, you smell good. With the master of smash. And the talker of trash. I don't even know why the hell I'm even here. I ain't even Chinese. Uh-oh. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. Woo! Yeah, my number two film is Rush Hour 2. Uh... Probably wouldn't be this high if I just watched it today for the first time. Uh, but in 2001, that was my jam. Uh, Jackie Chan's great in it. The the sequence, uh, martial arts sequences are great in it. Um, the uh, humor, which relies heavily on stereotypes, uh, has not aged well. I literally watched it today just to uh, get a refresher on it because I hadn't seen it in a long time. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff that wouldn't fly 
uh, by today's standards. But uh, in 2001, it was totally fine. Um, and um, yeah, the the story's really good. Uh, you know, this time they're in Jackie Chan's uh, domain for the for, for the first part of the movie. Um, and there's a, there's a, a crime boss who's connected to the death of his dad. Um, and then it's connected to, oddly enough, uh, they have to go back to America to stop the ho- rich billionaire hotel magnet who's laundering money through casinos. <laughs> uh, so that was pretty cool. It's like they knew. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. And like I said, probably the best part is Jackie Chan's creative action sequences. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Zach, number two. My number two um, is about a film. Uh, is a film about a guy who has ten other guys with him. It's a repeat. It's Ocean's Eleven. Nice. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, did any when any of you guys saw it? Um, I, I guess I'm looking at Brad and Ryan specifically. Um, when you guys saw it in the theater, did you know it was a remake? Never saw it. He's never seen it. Oh, you never seen it? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you yeah, know? My, my grandfather loved those kind of movies. Okay. So, like, I, I didn't know up until a couple of years ago. The marketing on this film, seeing that it was Ocean's Eleven, and then reading in film books about, oh, there's an Ocean's Eleven, like Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. You're reading about Frank Sinatra, you learn about Ocean's Eleven and the Rat Pack. And so I saw the original Ocean's Eleven, and it was it was fine. Um, but like, I was just like, well, I, I'm, I'll have to see the remake and see what's better. And uh, this is a film that's. Easily better than the original oh, movie. Even close. Yeah, it's it's not a contest. Um, I think Soderbergh took a good idea that was kind of mishandled with the Sinatra version, uh, the Rat Pack version, and gave it the right flair that it was needed. And given that he had done Out of Sight a few years prior, this was like a perfect follow up in that in that er- arena because. The year before, he was doing Traffic and Aaron Brockovich. This is fun to have a cool break for him. I love the camaraderie of this cast. Ryan alluded to it already. It's just cool, like personified. Very effortlessly, too. Yeah, it's you're just literally telling George Clooney and Brad Pitt, like, just just have a conversation. And Matt Damon. And then you walk out behind the monitor and tell them, go. You're not giving them anything beyond that. And... uh the 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 amount of fun that comes off of that energy is intoxicating to the point where I don't care what people say I appreciate Ocean's Twelve and I love Ocean's Thirteen um, I understand Ocean Twelve's problems I don't care and um, there's like that one good scene where the guy is going through the laser field there's some wonderful other scenes in that movie. I understand of the absolute bad one. That movie's trying to be an European tra- travel movie. That's that's trying to capture some. Yeah, that's, that's trying okay. to kind of capture some Roman holiday territory and some travelogue territory, like in terms of the look and aesthetic. And I appreciate that. Anyway, though, Ocean's Eleven though is a solid movie about Vegas. It's a movie about these these cons and capers. I love the shorthand that they have for their different cons. Um, so they make you feel involved in a universe that's not really a universe. It's just, it's like you're being led in on an inside, an in, an inside job with them. Like you get to follow their journey and be a part of the crew. Um, this was, I think, the first Carl Reiner thing I ever saw actively that I knew Carl Reiner was in it because um, I had seen Oh God prior, and I'm I pretty sure I saw some Dick Van Dyke on television at some point before I got into it, but. 
this was seeing him on screen acting and playing off of Brad Pitt or George Clooney and just schooling all these people with his disguises. My, <laughs> like that, that I still love his performance in that movie to death. I love Elliot Gould in it. Um, but George Clooney has always been a big staple in our household, particularly with me and my dad. So I can't help but um, enjoy the the picture no matter what. Um, Uh, so yeah, um, I I I understand that it's not everybody's like favorite film of this year. But if the if it were not for my number one, this would have been my number one movie of the year. I was favorite film. It made like three top ten lists. What what? It made four top ten lists on there. Never mind. No, no but no, I but mean, you guys had I it. I like it. You had it pretty it's low. A fun movie. <laughs> top ten out of like a hundred and twenty films per year. That is true. Pretty that good. is fair. Um, but I re- I do remember when we saw this in the theater, like. I felt grown up seeing it in the theater. I was 10 and I was still enjoying it and I got it. Like I felt grown up. Like it was like, I, it was not a rated R movie or anything like that. It's just, it's the vibe of it. The vibe yeah. it gives off is just like, it makes you feel grown up. There is a scene in the strip club in that movie too, which I always forget about until they get to that scene. Um, and also um, until black Klansman, this was Topher Grace's best movie. <laughs> Question mark? Nah, he is Venom in Spider-Man Three. That, it, it, you know, we don't need to talk about that. Okay, fine. It's uh, what's the ranking here? Or best movie? Uh, um, yeah, Spider-Man Three. Uh, but uh, yeah, so yeah, Ocean's Eleven. If you haven't seen it, it's pretty cool. And by the way, twelve, thirteen, and eight—all fun movies. Check them out. Uh, my number two is a repeat. It's Monsters Incorporated. Uh, I already talked about it earlier. I just love it. It's fun. Uh, there's a magic to Pixar films that every single one has, even if the ones that maybe aren't as great as some of the other ones. Um, but this is one of the great ones, and I love the characters in it. John Goodman, Billy Crystal. Mike Wazowski. Uh, there's a a person who works with me at where I work, and we just have a coworker named Mike. And this lady smokes all the time. And she's like, hey, Mike. And so I used to always think of Monsters Incorporated. <laughs> Mike Wazowski. And uh, so it's fun. And, yeah, it's just a fun movie. It's, you know, workplace comedy that takes a clever kind of fantasy spin on it. And the monsters are really cool in it. I love the designs. Um, I, I, the, the living world of the monsters is really fun. I like how John Ratzenberger's an abominable snowman who can only serve snow cones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's great stuff. Yep. And it has a great message. Yep. Henry, your f- number one film of 2001. My number one film of 2001 is the funniest film ever made. And if you disagree, I don't know. Maybe get some better taste buds, you little scrubs. But anyway, here's my number one. Suave. Debonair. So courageous. The epitome of cool. You rule. His name is Zoolander. Derek Zoolander. He's almost too good looking. International male supermodel. The style and the hair. You know, it's almost like the new afro for the white man. But behind those eyes is a highly trained man of action. 
you rock. Now you rock. And perhaps the world's only hope of stopping a sinister assassination plot. The fashion industry has been behind every major political assassination over the last 200 years. And behind every hit, a male model. So why male models? They do as they're told. That is not true. Yes, it is, Derek. Okay. Ben Stiller. Owen Wilson. Will Ferrell. They're breakdance fighting. Taste my pain! Christine Taylor. When I was in seventh grade, I became bulimic. You can read minds. Zoolander. Must be eliminated. No! They must use all their skills. If I can create a basic disguise for us with this professional makeup kit, we may just be able to sneak it undetected. Surprise! Did you find the files? They're in the computer. They're in the computer? To outsmart the most dangerous organization on the planet. We got 30 years worth of files right here in this computer that are gonna bring you down. Oh no. Where'd all the files go? And still find time to help the children. I give you the Derek Zoolander Center for Kids Who Can't Read Good. What is this? A center for ants? How can children learn how to read if they can't even fit inside the building? Zoolander. Uh, so yeah. My, uh, number one film is Zoolander, the greatest comedy ever made. Uh, it's the funniest film ever made. It has the best performance from a com comedic actor. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I quote this movie all the time. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's great. The scene in which, uh, all his friends kill themselves by accidentally lighting themselves on fire at the gas station <laughs> is fantastic. <laughs> uh, the, I mean... The trailer's not great because it shows a lot of the great jokes in the actual film. David Duchovny's great in it as, like, the conspiracy theorist, and all of that whole scene is great. Will Ferrell is great in the movie. I don't know. It's flawless in my head. Maybe it hasn't aged well. Well, Oh, no, sure. it's still great. I think it's great. Uh, I think <laughs> the whole Derek Zoolander school for kids who can't re read good is great. <laughs> like... Ugh, it's just fantastic. For ants. I, so I, <laughs> yeah. I typed in douchebag in Google and hoped that Brandon Routh would show up. He doesn't, but uh, the Urban Dictionary describes douchebag as a guy is a royal jerk will one day get his. A typical loser, jerk face asshole who lies to girls, doesn't know how to be a man, and is a big pussy. Oh. <laughs> it's the definition of a douchebag. <laughs> right, so, I brought that up because when you were listening to the trailer, we were watching uh, the end cards for the trailer. So, just yeah. so people listening at home understand yeah, why you just yeah, brought that up. So th there's an end card with move from movieclips.com, and one of it, it says popular best of the best, and below it it said douchebags. <laughs> and that's Brandon Routh from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And also Gary Cole from Office yeah. Space, because, of yep. course. Yeah, that would be great. But so, according to the definition, it's... Um, yeah, yeah. That's it's Donald Trump and Mike DeMond. I mean, I mean, but also too, I mean, Zoolander has some pretty emotional scenes. I mean, we learned that people can not not die in random gasoline fights. <laughs> and how his dad called him a mermaid and he was a merman. I mean, just so many things. Oh my god! <laughs> this movie's fantastic. I'm just remembering the movie where he he goes and works with his dad and his brothers in the coal <laughs> the mine. Coal mine. 
And then he's only worked in there one day, and he says, I think I developed black lung. <laughs> Fuck, that movie's so silly. I should watch that. Oh, God. It's the greatest movie ever made. Anyway, what are all your bullshit number one films that aren't Zoolander? Corinne? Well, in case you don't remember three and a half hours ago, I'm going to guess so if, that... So by the time you've watched Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Rings, <laughs> now you can get to Corinne's number one. It's Would have literally 3.30 right now in the recording. Yep. Uh, yeah, and I'm guessing this is Zach's as well. Yep. Uh, our number one... Uh, it's mine as well. All right. Triple tag team review already swept. Next time I just got put chance. So mean. Cuddles. So mean, Brad. Corinne, why don't you just Nobody say the name of it? Nobody else had it on their list. I think that was long overdue. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyways, Corinne, why is it number one on your list? But, but we haven't said the name of the movie. Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Thank, thank you very much. Peter Jackson will enjoy the check he just got for the mention of it on this show. So. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Don't forget, like, 20 yeah. minutes from now when you guys are done talking, I still have to do my number one, so... Yeah, yeah, whatever. I know, we don't right, care. I, got you. I don't. I think that's your punishment. You don't get a number one because <laughs> <laughs> you ruined ours, Brad. <laughs> She's lying. You get a number one, buddy. I feel no remorse. <laughs> uh oh, man. You know, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I'm a big fan of like animated films, all that kind of stuff. But you know, one of my fandoms I don't really get to talk about all that often is the Lord of the Rings. Um, I read the books when I was a kid. Like I think right before the movie came out. And I always have to I think that when she says when I was a kid, just before the movie came out, I was like, man, I was alive for 20 fucking years. And I read that book when I was in middle school. But continue. <laughs> Sorry, I was 10 when this movie. I know. Came no, out, I'm just I'm, I'm just saying I mean, that you want like a five year old checking out Lord of the Rings from the library. No, I'm just saying <laughs> that I forget how much older I am than you. Right. So right. Should it's I like old news to me that these books have been out should, and should, I didn't read them just before the movie. Should came I out. apologize for being younger? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't help it. Yeah, um, but yeah, I read the the books when I was you know a kid, right before the movies came out, and th- these movies are just insanely well made. Um, just the fact that they filmed all three at once. So we don't need you for two thousand two or two thousand three because we already know what your number one films are going to be. Yeah, right? yeah, you really <laughs> should know what my number one films are going to be. Two thousand two would be tough for me. Anyway, continue. Um. But, I mean, just the fact that you have this vast and very detailed world and all of these characters that multiple generations of people have grown up with and you are tasked with bringing them to life in a way that is, you know, worthy of a Hollywood budget and that feels real and isn't, like, cheesy mm-hmm. or, you know, poorly made or whatever. Like, th- there was such care put into these films by... Um, Fran Walsh, Philip Boyens, Peter Jackson, and just the entire cast and crew of these movies. And they really are a masterpiece of film. And just the fact that, you know, this was something I got to see on the big screen in my lifetime is amazing. Like, this was kind of like my end game when I was a kid. Mm. Um, you know, seeing these characters come to life and seeing this world on the big screen with that budget. Um, and just like even the smallest details, <laughs> things you don't even see on screen, um, the costumes and the makeup. Um, and I, when when they were all like all out on DVD, I watched them all the time. I watched all the behind the scenes stuff. I listened to the soundtracks and the score 
score, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that was something I did um, as a teenager. We all listened to yeah. Enya's May It Be. Oh, of course. Because um, we're all cool. Yeah, I listened to all that um, just like in the background while I was working. So, you know, these films mean a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And it's so nice to think like, you know, it all started with J.R.R. Tolkien's novel. And then they took these moments that you as a book fan love. And like, there's so many in the movie, but the big one that stands out to me is the Balrog scene and just knowing that that's coming. And then when you see the Balrog, you're like, holy shit, like he looks so cool and menacing. And that entire sequence just fills you with dread because you know what's coming. But also it's so well done that you just, it's like the epitome of movie magic, right? Because, you know, Ian McKellen's probably just like standing against a green screen, but he's acting his ass off. And the entire like visual component is, anyway, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it should be everyone's number one. I should re-edit the ball rock scene, to put, uh, let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. Uh, yeah, The Fellowship of the Ring is an incredible film. I actually think uh, The Two Towers is better. Uh, but having said that, I am not a big fan of the books. In fact, I think the books are kind of boring. But I think the film takes it, it makes it such a grand adventure that you re also examine the books. I still they're okay. But uh I mean this is also an instance where the adaptation is very well done because even though they cut out scenes and they kind of trim things as they go, it's like, you know, you couldn't adapt everything. No, no, I'm okay with it because, I mean, the movie is really meaty anyways. And I, it, it, the, the casting is spot on. Everything in this film is just really well done. And, you know, it's cool because uh, I, I'm a big horror film person. And to see people like Sam Raimi and Peter Jackson get a really a chance to make films that they've always wanted to make and with budgets they wanted to make. With, infu- with, with that, infusions of horror. Yeah, it proves that if you have a creative person or someone who's extremely talented, no matter where they come from, they come from bad taste or the evil dead, they will make a film that is incredible because they're passionate about it. When you watch the appendices or any of the behind the scenes stuff with Peter Jackson, I love it. I don't care what movie he does, it, whether it's King Kong, Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, Lovely Frighteners. Bo- Lovely Bones. The Lovely Bones. I don't care what. I, Peter Jackson is infectious when he talks, and I feel the same way about Steven Spielberg. Um, they just love movies, and they know what audiences want, and I think that's why this film works so well, too, is he takes what is a fantasy novel that everybody knows. I don't know anybody who doesn't know what The Lord of the Rings is. But he also makes it accessible to everybody else, where maybe someone might not jump into the book. I think the movie captures the spirit of the book so well that you will read the book. Because I I remember when this came out, when I was at Barnes & Noble, they had so many different editions of The Lord of the Rings. And and to me, I I love seeing that, too, because it opens your mind and it explores it. And it's just... it's a hell of a good time. I've been watching them. I kind of fell off my Kate watch, but I've been watching the Kate Blanchett films. And so just revisiting them and the score and everything is just incredible. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Howard Shore's music is insane. Love how they incorporate Elvish into the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Oh, is mine? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just kind of like listening to you guys. Where you talk just, about just, I, I like you just get lost in my voice. I like, Thanks, to, I like listening to you both geek out about it. Um, I guess I'm the, the 
the the the outside factor is that these movies were my introduction to Lord of the Rings. I didn't read the books beforehand. Um, after Two Towers, I finally read the books. Um, but you just proved my point that you you know you yeah. see these and it makes it accessible. That's, that's kind of why I was like really touched by what you said because I'm like I'm kind of like a living example mm. of that. Um, <laughs> we saw a trailer for this uh, at the beginning of the movie Just Visiting, um, which was a uh, time travel movie about knights and whatnot. And I remember not really looking too much into it um, and not really getting invested in it. But on my birthday in 2002, which was already, it was, so it's already like two months about uh, after Fellowship had come out, my dad took me and um, another kid my age to go see, um, it was like a, like not friend, whatever. Like he was my birthday buddy because I didn't really have any friends. Um, uh-huh. and, um, they took me to the continental giant six giant screen before they redid that whole I thing. I saw Hunt for Red October there. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about? It's not stadium seating. Mm-hmm. It's all to the level. It's bigger than life. It's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. My exposure to Lord of the Rings of fellowship on the ring was on the closest to a Cinerama screen I'll probably ever get in my life. And, uh, you're right. It gets you into the world without having to make you feel isolated from it. It's a grand sweeping epic made on really, when you look at it, a modest budget compared to what they could have had. Um, and they saved a lot of money by filming all three movies together. Well, yeah, that, and also like it helps that the, the impetus of Lord of the Rings in a lot of respects is also character driven and character based. And it's built, built around lore and mythology which Tolkien designed in the aspects of the fact that England didn't have the same kind of lore as other European countries did. And like creating something, uh, creating a different type of like ancient history. And um, the idea behind this one ultimate evil encroached in this one small thing and the burden that it becomes to people and the, the temptation of evil, like it is a great, it's a great movie to show a show a young person to kind of encapsulate the themes of like how sinister the sinister the world can be while also understanding what good there is in the world. Um uh uh, 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 uh what it is it's like um Frodo goes I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had ever happened and what Gandalf says never leaves my head is so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to do is, uh, is uh, God. All we have to do decide. is decide what, what we do, do with, with the, the time, time that is given to us. us. Yeah. Um, and another part of it really is this is a year after X Men, so I'm getting a double dose of Ian McKellen in my life. And God damn it, that man's voice has never ceased to be infectious to my mind. Um, his lines in all three of the movies make me cry. Um, this is the first Christopher Lee movie I think I ever saw technically too. Man, what a great introduction yeah, to Christopher uh, Lee before you start getting into the, the hammer world. You're watching him kicking the shit out of another wizard. Um, yeah. Cause attack of the clones was the following year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause I didn't get into hammer horror films for the longest time. Like I, I didn't know who Christopher Lee was and, but, um, uh, but the big thing about these films that uh, this film and this film in particular is that I had no prior experience with these characters. I had no prior knowledge of these characters. I didn't know what a Frodo Baggins was. I didn't know what a Gollum was. And 
over the course of three hours, it earns an amazing moment. One of the three moments that come in one one moment in each film. Every time Peter Jackson has made a movie since uh, since the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, I've always cried. And in Fellowship of the Ring, it is when Frodo leaves Sam, and Sam comes swimming after him, and he drowns and he goes to the floor, and. Because I had become so invested in this world that I had no idea existed when Sam goes, I made a promise, Mr. Frodo. Don't you let him go, Samwise Gamgee, and I don't mean to. And I, I'm a kid of 10 years old, and I'm crying and rocking back and forth in my seat. Um, and the other two ones are, um, there's good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. And then the third movie is just the last 45 minutes of the movie is just me banging my head against a tissue counter. So, you know, like, um, so like these movies mean a lot to me. Um, in fact, this, this Wednesday, I, I'm taking a five day sabbatical from work to just kind of kick back and just take some PTO time. And when I get off of work on Wednesday, I'm kicking on the extended trilogy. And I'm just, I'm, I'm not touching my phone. I'm not doing anything. I'm just doing that. So. Yeah. I rewatched it today and you reminded me that the whole, you know, thing about like this is kind of the darkest hour of Middle Earth and Frodo's like, I wish this hadn't come to me. And, you know, that's so poignant right now for, mm -hmm. you know, this time, but also for our generation, because just like Frodo, you know, we are having to carry the baggage of all the people who came yep. before us and all the mistakes that they made. And now we're having to live with the consequences of that. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, yeah, like I understand exactly what Frodo means when he says, that, you know, I wish none of this had ever happened. I think it's and it, it, not even just generational. It extends to personal emotions. And I think that that's the beauty of fantasy and comic book and sci-fi when it's done in that realm is that it does have the power to have that affecting that, that affecting touch that mm -hmm. still lasts with you. It's the reason why for all the shit that I can give it, I still do love Star Wars and I do love a Marvel movie, you know, because they do touch those same tones. But I think Lord of the Rings has, for me personally, has always done it the best. Uh, even the Hobbit movies, they do the same thing. Um, and also, isn't it scary as shit when Ian Holm is wanting to keep that ring and then he goes, Boo, boo, baggins! <laughs> I'm thinking of the part in Rivendell. Like, <laughs> and he's cool with a pipe. He can make a fucking ship with smoke, man. Like Gandalf's a fucking badass, gray or white. Doesn't fucking matter. Anyway, yeah. So much more I could say about it. Maybe we should do a commentary. Yeah, I would love to That'd do it. Awesome. Meanwhile, Brad, we have to know. What's your number one? Uh, well, Ryan saw me coming a mile away. My number one is there my only repeat of the year. My number one is the Royal Tenenbaums. So. Woo. What, what was the thing you showed? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was something silly. Okay. It's uh, It was a meme that said Marissa Tomei, and it rearranged oh. the letters and said, it's a me, Mario. That's it. Yeah, it was dumb. Anyway, yep. not worth holding up the podcast over. <laughs> um, yeah, um, this movie I like as a filmmaker. I love the attention to detail in this movie. Um, the production design, the the writing is really funny. Um, it's directed so like the characters are so eclectic. Sorry, I get distracted because now Corinne's taking a picture of the podcast. Um, so, um, yeah, it was, it was the first Wes Anderson's movie I think I'd ever been introduced to. Definitely mine. I saw it in yeah. the theaters. Pretty sure I, I, part of me thinks maybe I saw Bottle Rocket at the mine before this, like 
really well, that would have been cool. I know, I, Did they I, know the I didn't because I saw this and I went to Blockbuster and rented it because I says I like this guy. Yeah. Ooh. So I was um, thinking that'd be cool if you saw Bottle Rocket at the Mayan. Dang. I, I know I definitely saw Bottle Rocket at the right. I just don't know if it was before this or not. But oh, gotcha. Definitely around the same time, I think. Um, so, um, yeah, it was like the last time before, like, yeah, like Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, and this feel like uh, the studio is still raining Wes Anderson in because, uh, you know, most of this takes place in just uh, like a house or two. Mm-hmm. Um, the the production designs like it's still ec- uh, uh, eccentric or quirky, but it's toned down by comparison. It, it still feels like it's very much like our world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, yeah. Well, all I have for it. It's, that's it's great. A, right? That's a good reason to love it, man. Right on. So yeah. I did get an email from Carol. Um, so. She says, hello, real nerds. Seems like a long time since the last film explosion, which she is correct. Uh, just a heads up to everybody. Our next film explosion is going to be a lot sooner. So make sure you send those lists to Brad. Probably um, November. Yep. So much has happened since then. Rich and I finally got back into the theater. Our first movie was at Alamo Sloan's Lake to see Quiet Place 2. We really wanted our first time to be at the Alamo. Tried several AMCs, Regal Centennial. Best is AMC Southlands, but I can't wait. Till Alamo Littleton opens again, which should be soon. Well, here I am again, trying to put 10 movies in an order and not doing well. Here we go. This one's really shocking to me. Number 10, The Fast and the Furious. I think the first one was the best. Number nine, The Mexican. We hadn't seen this movie until we started looking at Lost at the Lost from 2001. Crazy fun story. Number eight, A Beautiful Mind. A beautiful story and beautifully presented. Number seven, Godsford Park. Always love a British mystery. Number six, Shrek. I'm a donkey. Nothing like an animal movie, an animated movie that children and adults can enjoy. I added the donkey part. Uh, Number five is Monsters Incorporated. This one is even better. Billy Crystal, John Goodman, Frank Oz, and many others made this movie great. It's like, like we're on the same wavelength. I agree. Two, three, and four. I love all these three movies equally. Clever stories, fun characters, and great actors. Ocean's Eleven. Fun characters, humor, and how'd they do that moment? This is, this is a good one, too. Bandits. Rich said this movie is almost perfect. I still crack up at Billy Bob Thornton laying on the floor in the bar. He plays that character so well. A Knight's Tale. I can't, I can't help myself. I just love this movie. I have a little problem with the dance scene. Seems a little dumb. But everything else is clever and a great and great messages. You know, I really love this movie too. Yeah, it yeah, was, I it was buying for my town spot. List. Yeah, it, it's always back and forth. It's just a fun movie. Um, and uh, so, number one, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Boom. Duh! I'm sure you've already talked about a lot about this movie. I was the only one in our house that had not read the books, so I went into this movie without any expectations for the story. My favorite scene might be when Arwen shows up and takes Frodo to. Elrond, sorry. Sometimes, like, uh, the entire scene, the entire section with her riding ahead of the ring wraiths, watching the horse, her horse charge his lead while winding through the woods. And I'm going to make this bigger, sorry. And then stops at the river, draws her sword, and challenges the ring wraiths. Then her sweet prayer for Frodo. Love it. This, this, one, this is one of the most amazing moving experiences ever. 
So much excitement, tension, action, adventure, sweet friendship, honor, and sacrifice. Absolutely, Carol. I agree 100%. She also has some honorable mentions. Most of these we haven't seen in a while. Behind Enemy Lines, which is actually a good movie. K-Pax, Save the Last Dance, I Am Sam, Kate and Leopold, The Majestic, and The Royal Tenenbaums. Dishonorable Mention, with exclamation points. AI, Artificial Intelligence, oh my goodness. This would never be on my top 10. I can't tell you how much I hate this movie. Sorry, Spielberg. Such a terrible story, and it goes on and on and on. I remember sitting in the theater thinking, oh, please let this thing end someday. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Same thing, Carol. Um, There you have it. I'm curious to hear your opinions on several movies from this year that we haven't seen. Always great to get your recommendations. Hey, if James made it to the recording for this, tell him I miss him. Actually says, tell him I said hello. Um, if you think you, if you think you all miss him, think how I feel now that he's moved. Love you all, Carol, and we love you too, Carol. Yes, we do. Um, we did get uh, a couple responses on our Twitter feed. Yeah. Um, about it, do you have them pulled up, Zach? I was just pulling them up right now. Yeah, um, I was looking at because uh, when you're talking about a Night's Tale, like some other ones that like were just almost there for me on the list were The Mummy Returns, mm. Anomaly. I haven't heard from at all tonight. Mm. So I've got um, a couple. Yeah, I wondered if Zach was going to have it on his list. Um, I also had Atlantis, The Lost Empire, on my kind of honorable mention list. Um, yeah, and I'm, Monsters, Inc. If I had gone back to Mulholland Drive, I might have made a case for it at the bottom of the list, but I'm not as big a David Lynch person, so, you know, it's what it is. But I've got some lists here from Twitter. Um, our good friend Zach Bynes from Talking Troma said, Sorry, I can't make it to record this one. Here's my list anyways in no order. Memento, Amelie, Freddy Got Fingered, Jason X, Bully, Ghost World, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, Iron Monkey, Farts of Darkness, The Making of Terror Firmer, and Lost Skeleton of Cadavra. So, yeah, wonderful choices there, Zach. Um, I, uh, I must confess, I have never seen Hedwig and the Angry Inch, but I guess I'll have to give that a shot. I don't think I've seen... Any of those movies? I don't think I've heard of most of them. Hedwig's amazing. Oh, good on you. Um, well, what was that, Henry? Hedwig and the Angry Inch, Inch is an incredible movie. Yeah, my wife loves that film. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then uh, Kev Moore uh, from Film Guff and uh, How, uh, House of Hammer podcast said, 2001's a, year, a lean year for me. It's like everyone is st- was still exhausted from the insanity of 99, but here's my choice cuts. Donnie Darko, The Others, Gosford Park, Session 9, Ocean's Eleven, Moulin Rouge, and Josie and the Pussycats. So Josie and the Pussycats almost made mine because it makes fun of the genre, mm-hmm. and it's also kind of really clever. Um, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's one of those movies I re- truly enjoy. I saw you responded to that, yeah. And also, I forgot that Donnie Darko came out in 2001, <laughs> technically, but I guess that's kind of the... <laughs> That's kind of the point. It didn't get a real audience until after that. So. I cheated on my list. Yeah. So, well, maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll just be like, this is the year I discovered Donnie Darko, so therefore it makes my film explosion list. That's all I had from Twitter, yeah. unless I missed no, one. I think that's it. Like I said, uh, 2001 must not have been a very popular year because we did not get that many responses. Um, anyways, uh, thanks for listening. Next week, uh, I don't know, we're doing Malignant? something we should do malignant it's fucking you, crazy I, I i'm excited to i just haven't had a chance to see a theater yet yeah, it's, uh, so if you want to do a fucking crazy film then uh henry i saw that you and i kind of have the same feelings about malignant we gave oh, it the same great. score on letterbox ah it's amazing 
it, it's um i will say this about it you're either gonna love it you're gonna fucking hate it because it's yeah. uh it's polarizing but i almost respect it so much because the end of the film like the last 30 minutes i'm like oh fuck okay like, what i've told people recently is that like Listen, it's very, very possible that you will watch the first and second act and fucking hate this movie, but then you will watch the third act and everything will make it worth it. Like, yep. So. I, I, I'm always, like, the first uh, 45 minutes, I, I get on board because I think James Wan is an incredible director and he does really interesting things with his camera. Uh, but then as they start unraveling the story, I go, this is really fucked up. Yeah. And then, it, then the last 45 minutes happen and I cannot believe what the fuck I'm watching. Yeah, you should watch it. Um, so yeah, malignant, it's super gory. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for everybody who did send us lists. Um, Henry, thanks for joining us. I know it's late where you're at. Um, until next time, we'll see you at the theaters. Bye. 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 One podcast to rule them all. You shall not pod. You waited all here. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion! Film explosion! The Real Nerds Film Explosion theme song was written and performed by Bolonium. Check out Bolonium on iTunes or buy their new record, Snacktacular, from Needle Juice Records. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.